Hello, welcome to episode 104 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and Renfrey Dedman. Renfrey. I love it when you introduce me like a wrestler, uh, sort of <laughs> yeah. commentator bloke. It's very nice. It's very cool. Yeah. How are Coming you, down the aisle from parts unknown. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks That's very right. much. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Um, it's quite a nonsense start to the show, Renfrey. It I'm always is, isn't it? Always is. <laughs> There's one thing that you can predict about this show. Is it have a sh- shit opening bit. Uh, on this week's show. No. <laughs> we're going to be say that. <laughs> no, I am going to say that. I'm not going to lie to people. Um, on this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new albums from Creeper, Imperial Triumphant, Alan Johannes, Fall of Messiah, Frank Turner and Nerf X, together as a pair, and Taylor Swift. Correct. You heard me right. Taylor Swift, just because Renfrey won't shut up about her. Um, <laughs> plus, in Broken Records, um, we speak about what Keith Richards calls World War Three in the Rolling Stones camp. Mick Jagger's primitive cool mm. second solo effort mm. from 1987. Um, it's been our birthday week this week, Renfrey. We put a podcast up every single day. Um, we weren't allowed to talk about it last week, although we did drop a pretty big hint what we we're going to be doing on our actual birthday day. We put out six hours, six hours on U2 as a cl- as a free classic album series podcast yep. for all of you, not just for subscribers, for everybody. Acting Baby, and the Joshua Tree. Sorry, not sorry. We did the whole thing. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Just, well, not, not sorry at all. Somebody put a very uh, a very good thing, I thought, on our Instagram page where they said, it's really, really uncool to talk positively about you 2 in any way in 2020. And the fact that you managed to do it for six hours is something which I think was really good. And, yeah. you know, he was like, there are, there are obviously things about you 2 that are bum. And we did yeah. mention that. Yeah, um, yeah. But then he went on to mention kind of Boy and War and The Unforgettable Fire and all the albums that we didn't even talk about. And yeah. so like, how brilliant are those records? And they are. Yeah. You too are fucking brilliant. And for those people, and there have been a few of you, don't think I haven't seen, who <laughs> went, I'm not going to listen to this. Uh, I hate you too. And I'm not going to be swayed in my opinion. Um, we actually do talk about you on the podcast, but obviously you haven't heard that. It's probably for the best that you haven't heard it because we're not very positive about you, are we? <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a it's a bizarre it's sort of a bizarre thing the U uh, two hatred as we kind of go into when when compared to some of the other people who are hated or whatever or or maybe even not despised maybe as as they should be uh, you know is is Bono really the massive cluster cunt that we all think he is um, compared to say you know a Watkins no 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 there are people that you like who are really horrible. Now, whoever you are listening, you like someone who's horrible, who's really genuinely horrible. And well, uh, you're listening and to us. Is, so. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Bono isn't horrible in the way that that person's horrible. Mm. And also that person that you like who is horrible, he's never written mysterious ways. That's true. So he's definitely not as good. I think, weirdly, people are more comfortable with hating things that aren't, taboo if that makes like like it's 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 a really it's a weird psychological thing it's something beyond something that i can comprehend and something beyond something that you can comprehend i think but it's a weird psychological thing that like 
a, a man like Bono, who at least is trying to do good, you know, and you can sort of see that he might be a bit of an egotist, but you can see that he's trying to do good, gets as much ire as he does. And then you get, I don't know, people getting away with things that they shouldn't be getting away with for such a long time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. We did uh, Joshua Tree and Acton Baby. We then did the Gill special. That's up for free now as well. Yeah, we, wonderful uh, brought, response to that. We brought James Gill, who I used to do the old Metal Hammer podcast with back in the day. Mm. Uh, he left Metal Hammer in 2012. We basically recapped the last eight years of heavy music with Gill. And it was really, really good. Mm. And he's really, he is really funny. And he will be coming back on. He's been texting me all his ideas. He actually texted Brilliant. me. I think this was um, away from the little WhatsApp group that you and I set up with him. Mm. He said, um, "Why don't we just record our phone calls and put them out as podcasts?" <laughs> and I was like, "This is, this is the thing about Gil is that he's a bit like Will. I am. Like he has five hundred ideas every day." <laughs> and I was just, just didn't reply to that <laughs> message. I was like, "No, I'm not, I'm not doing that." Um, and then we put our specials, our special out about covers. So we mm. picked eight covers each and that yeah. went out. Yeah. Yeah. And, Very uh, happy to hear all the love good. for the Arcane Roots Smells Like Teen Spirit cover. Uh, oh, I that thought was... you were going to say the, an the Anthrax cover of Nuno. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no um, that was rubbish. Yeah, it did feel like the main reason I did that was to, to <laughs> just make people aware that that exists. So there we go. It's really good. I feel really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then uh, the last couple that we've had out are on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash riot podcast. We didn't hammer you with just free stuff all week there is some special stuff for the patrons did a couple of right ears reviews one on Angerod by stegel my band what what um, album <laughs> what never album, never yeah. received a uh, vinyl release i notice uh no uh hashtag Angerod vinyl 2021 well curb dog have just announced that they're reissuing on the turn in their first album on vinyl yeah, so with that Christ. and arc tangent coming out on vinyl maybe we'll put uh Angerod out on vinyl <laughs> as should, well um and we also then did your debut EP, mm. Renfrey. Do you want to give it the title? Because I can't do it without laughing. I tell my um, guitar. <laughs> you can't do it. You, you can, I can't say it without you laughing. I tell my guitar the things I used to tell you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking emo. Uh, Fucking emo no, prick. it's not emo. It's Chopin. But yeah, well, mm. yeah, you can hear why I called it that if you, if you listen to it. But quite interesting. It was interesting for. I mean, I hope people are interested in those things. They might not be. I but, hope you know, so. I mean, it's a little funny curio, wasn't it's it? It's a funny curio, and like I say, at the end of the day, uh, if you're ever going to do something like this, then we can do it around our birthday. Surely, you'd have to be a bit mm. of a prick to be like, oh, for fuck's sake, guys. <laughs> and by the way, if you do list, did listen to either of those and thought, hmm, I wouldn't mind hearing more of that, Renfrey, you have. CDs that you're willing to send of oh, your EP, don't you? Goodness gracious me, please. I have around 600 CDs. <laughs> 600. So 600 of you listening, get in quickly. Um, as if you want Angerod by Stegall, unfortunately, it's, how much is it? £99 it's on £99 Discogs. Pounds on Discogs, yeah. 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 So yeah. it's 99 quid on Discog. Yeah. Or you can go round to my mate Daz's mum's house, and I believe she has about 200 of them uh, that are kind of, used as insulation in a loft <laughs> so i want one of those i do want one of those i mean i, I don't want to pay 99 pounds for it um but i i would happily take one of those off of uh uh daz's mum's hands 
Uh, that's a weird sentence. Um, yes, no, I'm I'm actually more than happy to send out copies of my EP for free to people. Just DM me your address mm. and I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll send you fucking ten. <laughs> I'm just desperate <laughs> to get rid of the fucking. No, <laughs> so nobody wants ten, Renfrew. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants ten. I mean, if if you send me your address, you'll be getting ten. Oh no, I better not say that. Actually, um, <laughs> no, you'll just get one coffee. Uh, but yeah, signed. No. Get it signed? If people if people want it signed, then I'm happy to right. do that. I mean, that seems ridiculous. I suppose I could send one signed copy and one non-signed copy. That's a way to get rid of two at a time, isn't it? Very good. Yeah, I mean, Thanks weird. To... <laughs> <laughs> people go like, oh, I really wanted this, but I don't want it signed. Oh. I'm throw that away. Well, you could use um, it as a coaster. That's fine. Yeah. You know? But anyway, it's been nice. Thanks very much, everyone. As I said, go to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you would like to contribute after hearing this and thinking, yeah, that's a, actually a week of all this stuff is quite good. Maybe I'll sign up and get the writers reviews and the classic album series, which will be coming again uh, in uh, about a week's time. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cave in. Double cave in. Yeah. It's going to be, I'm going to tell you actually, double cave in. Double cave in. Antenna and Jupiter, yes, we're going to be doing next. I think Jupiter will probably go out free. And then, yeah. We'll put antenna, and we'll put Antenna on the Patreon thing, which is sort of what we've been doing. That's so, yeah, come, out, yeah. come over. Come over. It's only a fiver for that. You get two classic albums or three this month, or four actually, with you mm-hmm, two. Mm-hmm. Only really paying for one of them. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of rioters of you. Somebody actually suggested um, on our, our Patreon page that we do um, Igor by Tyler the Creator. I'm quite keen to do that quite quickly. Okay. Um, on Patreon, on the rioters of you. So, sure. I reckon. Maybe that one will go quite high to the top of the list. Might not, maybe not the top, but quite high. Um, anyway, thanks very much. Happy birthday to us. <laughs> um, anyway, um, news this week. Again, we've done a so we've done so many of these obituaries from so many mm. different parts of the music scene over the last sort of what eight nine months or so. Um, Just the last few I, weeks. Just the last few weeks, we've done quite a few. It's quite yeah. yeah it's a sad time. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, go um, and as I've, we always say, <clears throat> it probably will continue to be like this. But I think this is a pretty big one. Peter oh. Green um, died in his sleep, aged 73, on the 25th of July. Obviously, the founding member of Fleetwood Mac. He wrote Albatross. He wrote Oh Well. We wrote Black Magic Woman. He wrote many other of the early kind of bluesy Fleetwood Mac songs before leaving in 1970. Mm. Massively, massively influential blues guitarist. Um, his obituaries that came in were i mean shows the kind of breadth of influence that he had when everyone from david coverdale to noel gallagher who actually called him the greatest ever british blues guitarist um were the kind of people that you saw talking about peter green um bb king who is another great kind of legendary blues guitarist once said that peter green gave him chills when he heard him play um took over from eric clapton uh, in John Mel's Blues Breakers, earning the name The Green God. I mean, that is a tough spot to be yeah. taken over. Yeah. Um, named as the 58th best guitarist ever uh, last year by Rolling Stone. Um, in okay. the top 50 uh, in guitar player. Third ever in um, in Mojo. Wow. Um, just an incredibly, incredibly important and inspiring, hugely talented gentleman mm. uh, i have to confess i'm i'm really um late with uh, fleetwood mac surprisingly so because it feels like fleetwood mac is such a 
massive part of everyone's lives growing up certainly in the uk but um mm. i only really um went to fleetwood mac uh probably in the last sort of five to six years um but um i've got into fleetwood mac in quite a big way um uh, i have to confess it is mainly the stuff um not no, uh post peter green that i've got into so, so the, far the, the kind of lindsey buckingham and um, yeah 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 all, all the rumors era exactly stuff. but that's that's not that's not due to me not being into the peter green stuff it's just due to me not having gone to that stuff as of yet it's just an excuse for me to go in on it properly um and check out some of this stuff but it's a very very yeah very very sad thing indeed yeah, I mean, my mum was a massive. I think I've spoken before quite a lot about how my mum was really into blues and folk music, mm-hmm. and my mum was a was massive. Was really she really loved Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. and um, the first time I heard a Peter Green composition, it would have been the nineteen eighties uh, pop funk band Was Not Was covering Oh Well. I had that on. It was probably now sixteen or something. There okay. was a kind of sort of 80s pop funk cover of mm-hmm. that song and i liked it and i remember my mum coming into my bedroom once and going that's fleetwood mac and i was like no it isn't it was not was and she went no 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 it's fleetwood mac and then her playing me the original of it right and hearing the original of that i was like oh my god this is incredible like this is absolutely incredible and this is probably way before i even really paid attention to or knew anything about guitar music you know i would have been well i wasn't i was at primary school i would okay. have been at primary school so i would have been like eight or nine i think mm. and still angry uh i probably was quite angry yeah. <laughs> um and you know and i remember from you know my mum playing i mean my, she she was more of a you know she liked stevie nicks and stuff and yes. so she was yes. probably more into the bigger fleet of mac era i think my dad was as well yeah, yeah, but yeah. but certainly i do remember um occasionally some of the kind of peter green stuff would go on and it probably you know i I don't really think i fully appreciated it as a kid but i do remember being just totally like oh wow like this song sounds so different to this really you know um synthetic sounding 80s pop song which i thought i really Mm, liked mm. to hear that with all the kind of emotion and and passion and and ability and the the rawness that peter green um uh original had was um was quite a big moment you know i I mean again probably like you sitting here right now would i be able to go big and run through like the the, you know that those those early fleetwood mac mac albums like no i've not listened to them for a really really long time but certainly peter green is always a name that i thought was sort of synonymous with that period and you know like you say just a massively massively influential person and um really definitive of that era i hope i'm not putting you on the spot too much and you have just said that you're not an expert on it but um you certainly sound to seem to know more than i do so do you know where you point people in the direction of um for a peter green era fleetwood mac record um what was the one that I can do a little oh, pause if you want to look it up. No, no. Um, it was, there's one called Mr. Wonderful. Second album, 1968. I apparently. think that's the one that my mum used to play quite a lot. Cause it's got a really weird cover, isn't it? It does. It has a cover got, of a very skinny gentleman uh, pulling a, 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 an odd face, I would say. Yeah. I remember I there was a sort it. of 
quite a, an, a scary cover. I'm going to look that up. Hold on. Give me two seconds. No worries. Well, 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 whilst you do that, it's got uh, songs like... Oh, Stop. yeah, it's Mick, it's, Mick, it's Mick Fleetwood. That's uh, Mick Fleetwood. On the, mm. Is it? Oh, God. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can just about yeah, yeah, see yeah. that now that you said it. Uh, it's, got, do, it's one of those ones that I... I mean, I don't really remember what's on it. Stop messing around. Dust my broom yeah. is one of the songs. That's not, not that's original. It, yeah, okay. yeah, that's oh, a Robert Johnson, li- isn't it? Yeah, I'm not. I've I've not even fucking. I've not listened to that for a really really long time. But I remember it being at something that's taken me back to my childhood, Renfrey. Well, so here's a, a blo- you know, here's a bloody good excuse to listen to it. Then I'm going to listen to that yeah. when we stop recording this. Uh, well, once I've edited okay. it. Uh. <laughs> that's a recommendation for me from when i was nine by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh if it's not the right one sorry about that guys but anyway yeah peter green um passing away i think is is a is a big deal mm. is a really big deal mm. um in other news Corey taylor and marilyn manson both rumored to be collaborating with rap artists uh, Marilyn Manson posted a photo with ASAP Ferg on Instagram of the pair in a studio together. And Corey's had his new solo album, which I think we're about to find out exactly what that is um, as we sit here in record. I think it's just kind of been announced. Um, and yes, it has. Uh, it, it's got a song called CMFT Must Be Stopped featuring Tech 9 and Kid Bookie. Fan of either of those guys, Renfrey? Oh, massive. Uh, I, I have, as people will probably expect, I've heard of neither of them. I don't know. Mm, okay. What about ASAP Ferg? ASAP Ferg, I know nothing about. No. I think it's quite interesting when um, both for the rappers in question and also for the rock stars in question uh, to be doing these kind of collaborations. It sort of makes sense to me because obviously... Slipknot and Marilyn Manson um, were quite shocking looking and acting back in those those days. And then you've got this sort of new school of uh, big rap superstars uh, who are louder than life and are hugely colourful and are massively over the top mm. and are very commercially successful. So it's almost like two eras of parent-baiting OTT artists coming together to form some sort of super alliance if you know what i mean mm, mm. yeah i mean it's i don't i don't find it particularly surprising um i i this was news to me which just kind of made me shrug really it's hardly new it's hardly new you know um metal stars collaborating with hip-hop artists and so on and so forth yes we say that but it is now i think actually like the the, the thing about this is and and where i hope i mean why i brought this in because where mm. i hope this leads to mm. is yes you know method man being on um a limp biscuit album yeah. or you know cypress hill and house of pain and whoever doing the judgment night soundtrack mm-hmm. at the time but at the time the rock stars were the bigger ones with you know like somebody like rizza being on a dog eat dog album as insane as that sounds but it, it did happen um he was seen that was sort of seen to be lifting him up mm-hmm. into the mainstream oh, I see. whereas okay. what i think this is going to do is take you know marilyn manson Corey taylor into There'll, there'll be people a bit like when Kanye West did that song with Paul McCartney and people were like, who's this Paul McCartney guy? He's going to get a real lift from... Do, do you know what I mean? I, I think I think these people are... 
it's not quite you know i i would like to see end working with backwash or mm. you know clipping doing a tour with code orange that's mm. what i'd like to see yeah 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 uh rather than like you know the dude from the 90s the two dudes from the 90s getting a bit of a leg up from sort of younger cooler artists mm. but it's just interesting because that's where we are now you're right it's not been done before but it it certainly is the first time where rock stars have kind of had to go to rap stars to get you know to, to get a leg up even if before it was credibility now it really does feel like a kind of um you know especially in manson's case make me relevant again you know uh, fair enough very astute point looking at the um press release here uh there's also so the album's called cmft must be stopped right Mm, yeah. uh, and it also includes some star-studded cameos from Marilyn Manson. So Marilyn Manson is on this record as well, the Corey Taylor record. Lars mm-hmm. Ulrich, Rob Halford, Chris Jericho, Zilla Cami, and more. Um, so, yeah, sounds like it's going to be one of those all-star kind of... It's going to be one of those records which is all over the place, isn't it? I would have thought so. But isn't it interesting that the, I've got the track list in front of me. And the only people that it says featuring, featuring mm. Tech Nine and Kid Bookie, they're the only two people that have been given their own feature yeah. on the record. Yeah, which I think tells you something about uh, the uh, the the kind of well where we are in um, in sort of the the wider where, where metal is in the sort of wider grander scheme of the mu- musical food chain. Mm. Yes, it's an interesting and astute point. Um, mm. and, I, and and you're right to pick me up on it whilst I whilst I you know maintain that this has happened before you're absolutely right that it hasn't happened for it does feel like it's been a while I mean there are there have been these sorts of co- collaborations more underground and stuff like that um, collaborations which excite me a lot more there was it's not quite the same but there was that wonderful I don't know if you heard the uh, full of hell health collaboration from a couple of weeks ago it's just one song no i haven't actually no, no. it's fucking brilliant um you know and and i have to say that that kind of thing excites me a lot more you just mentioned you know if if end were to collaborate with backwash for example that'd be very exciting um but you know i'm still curious to hear it i mean i i, I struggle to think what i'm more worried about marilyn manson uh collaborate the marilyn manson collaboration than i am about the Corey taylor one personally but they love they they love Marilyn Manson though those guys they fucking love him yeah he turned up at that hip-hop um like festa hip-hop festival Manson turned up one day just came on I can't remember who came on stage with, but he just turned up and the whole place went absolutely berserk okay like I feel you know I mean Manson looks like a fucking rapper now mm-hmm. or rappers look like Manson now do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. those people they they're getting the kind of the new metal goth aesthetic and they, they're getting it you know those, those guys are getting it right they look like massive larger than life characters mm-hmm. and then you look at someone like polaris or whatever and you go oh look it's five men with sensible haircuts in black jeans and t-shirt from australia playing gent riffs yeah it's like nah lads you need a mud vein beard yeah <laughs> you need that's what the world needs need isn't it baggy jeans and a mud vein beard and like to cover yourself in 
Blood or something. Well, we will be talking about a band who have, well, a couple of bands who have very, very strong images. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 20 years ago, it's so funny. Like, no one would have gone, oh, yeah, you want a Mudvayne beard? Because obviously at the time it was quite ridiculed. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, maybe that is, maybe that is what. It's coming um, back. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. Coming back. Everything comes back around. There's no, there's kind of no point. I'm a, I suppose we're probably guilty of it, to be honest, but there's no point in kind of going, yada yada is out of date actually i know full well i'm gonna say yada yada is out of date about something later in the show but um but everything comes back around doesn't it so you know mm -hmm. it's all cyclical it does. it's all cyclical absolutely it is and what an absolutely perfect segue into our first review of the week uh it comes from creeper is where we're going to start sex death and The Infinite Void, the second studio album from the Southampton-based horror punks, the follow-up to the rapturously, rapturously received debut album, Eternity in Your Arms, that came out in 2017. Um, Creeper were on their way, and probably still are on their way, to being one of the big cult bands from the last decade. And then they died. They split up on stage in 2018 at Coco and vanished for exactly one year. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Renfrey? Just the kind of the whole eternity in your arms period of Creeper's career. Crikey, how long have you got? <clears throat> um, not long. <laughs> uh, Creeper are a band who have one of the most devoted fan bases in modern rock history. I think it's fair to say uh yeah. notice i say not biggest um although it's getting bigger and bigger all the time i mean devoted i mean people who are really truly utterly passionate about them who just absolutely absolutely adore them in a, in the manner that only uh a young person can adore something um i don't mean that in a um disingenuous way in disingenuous way or or uh i'm not looking down on that but you know what I mean. The only the sort of passion that you can have about Leave that something. that to me, innit? <laughs> only the kind of passion you can have about something when you're a younger person, when you don't have the uh, uh, distractions of everyday life, basically. And I think that sort of fan base um, alienates people sometimes. It, it alienates people outside of it. And as a result of that, what you get with Creeper is people who think they're the best thing in the world, the best thing ever to happen, or people who are just like, ah, oh, they're shit because they're really overrated. Um, the truth, of course, is somewhere in the middle of those things. Um, Creeper are, to be honest, an enormously overrated band, uh, in my opinion. Um, but then so are the Beatles. Uh, so, you know... Um, that just because a band are overrated doesn't mean that they're not a good band. As a matter of fact, I would argue that Creeper are a very good band. Um, but there was undoubtedly, I mean, I, I have said this to you in private. I hope you don't mind me mm. saying it uh, uh, aloud on the show. But um, that you used to be part of a podcast, which I think was partly responsible for massively overrating this band. Uh, it's not strictly you. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know. Um, none, none, nothing that happened at that, any of that was my fault. No, 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 no. I, this, this is not a blame. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> throwing blame here. Um, but, but, I th but I do think that is true. I don't think it was just you guys. I think it was, you know, fucking, fucking everyone really has been responsible for kind of really, really 
putting this band on such a ridiculous pedestal that they're not ever able going to to get it. I think if you look at Eternity in Your Arms now, it's an album that has some really excellent songs on it, but it's got quite a few dips on it as well. I mean, I'm I'm kind of surprised when I see people um, obviously, we've had the greatest albums of the decade quite recently, and I'm really shocked to see that album retain its actually turn up in people's top albums of the decade because it's quite flawed. As 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 good as it is at its best, it's got its flaws. It's very up and down. I, well, I, I think it's got some. I mean, you've already said it's got some great songs in it. I think it's got more good songs on it than it has not so good songs i would agree personally i would agree um, but when we're talking about mm. the best records of the decade you've got to be talking mm. about stuff which is like tip top pretty much the yeah. whole way through no, no. So, you that's know. fair enough i mean yeah, I, that's fair enough don't get me wrong i um i did the premiere for eternity in your arms i did the world exclusive premiere on the independent so i'm not turning around and being like creeper or rubbish blah 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 I do think they're overrated, but I don't think they're rubbish. Like I just said, the Beatles are overrated, and I like the Beatles. Are they a lot. though? Yes, they are. Uh, <laughs> massively mm. overrated. Um, yes, yes, of course they are. What makes uh, you say that? Sorry to go. What, well, the, be, because the, it depends who you talk to. But when you talk to yeah, people, yeah, no, no. When you right, talk to some yeah. people about the Beatles, and they will say, you know, the, we've had this Paul conversation McCartney. before. <laughs> yeah. But we've had this conversation before where people go, "Oh, the Beatles invented everything," and it's like, "Well, no, they didn't, did they?" Um, they didn't invent, you know, black metal blast beats, yada yada yada. Uh, you know, I well, mean, you know, we sitting in the forest one day, me and John, and we just thought, you know, what about a bit of tremolo pig, you know? And then we decided that we call it black metal. <laughs> so that's back. That's making a quick new appearance, but it's gone just so, as quickly. So, and through listening to this record as well, it it really honed for me what my issue with Creeper in the past has been. Uh, and I did say this to you on the phone a few days ago, but for me, I've realised, and it has taken me a while to realise it, but I've realised that Creeper were never a very good punk band. They were never a terrible punk band, but they were never great at doing the punk thing. And the further away they get from punk and the more they go towards the bigger, more theatrical stylings, the meatloaf stuff, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the T-Rexes. Um, there's lots of Roy Orbison on this record, Bruce Springsteen, yada, yada. The more they go towards the theatrical, over-the-top, OTT, escapism elements, the better they get. And mm -hmm. I think it's a very interesting thing that we have with this record because you did you you introduced them as uh, uh did you say goth punks you introduced them as a punk band and it is quite funny I, I mean i mean obviously that is true historically that they are a punk band but are creeper a punk band now with this record well punk rock is a state of mind i think isn't it without wanting to sound too cheesy i think punk rock's a state of mind i think musically okay, mm, no thank you <laughs> um, i should i should have said musically but yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. musically are they a punk I think, band anymore I, I i think you know what we've got with creeper uh, this is the you know that there, there have been a few dissenting voices about whether they waited too long particularly in the media i think and what people may or may not know and if you don't know there are places to find this information out that we're not going to go into now but this album has been born 
through a very, very difficult, traumatic period in the members of the band's lives, right? So not only did they have this incredibly passionate, loyal, and I would imagine quite intense you know, it's quite an intense thing to be stuck in the middle. I know a few people, like I know the guys in Creeper, and I know a few people from other bands who have incredibly intense fan bases. And it can be, you know, I would never say there's people like, don't do that or don't be like that. But it's got, it's exhausting for the yeah. people that, that some of it is aimed at. Sometimes. I can only imagine. You know? I can only, I, yeah. I, do, I do, I look at the, the, the six people in Creeper and, and, and often, obviously there are often there must be some wonderful things about being in that band but that i do i would not wish to be in their position at all to be totally honest yeah given given I mean, given the sheer devotion of some of their fan base i would not like to be in their position and i think that you know i mean actually there's we if if everything goes to plan and i hope it will do um at this point it was before we've started recording well, no, it's after we've recorded it should be going up but um yesterday if you're listening to this podcast today it went out i've done an interview with will um from creeper and we spoke about all kinds of things that's on our youtube channel it's up as a podcast as well and you know he was saying that it's been amazing to be uh you know to, to have these these fans but often the people that are in there from the start will go first ep is the best thing mm. oh the second EP is the best. Like when the third EP came out, oh, the second of those first two EPs were the best. And then when the album came out, oh, the EPs are best. And, and now they're releasing songs from this album. People are going, oh, you know, the album's the best. And people are always looking back and looking back and looking back and clinging on to that period. To the past, and they yeah. just, they just really wanted to, to kind of, to snip that off and go, this is something completely different. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to compare that to it. And I think the, that's a beautiful thing about this album, actually, is that, it probably doesn't actually matter what a lot of those really hardened fans will think because Creeper have just fucked off somewhere else anyway, away from, like you say, horror punk and AFI and My Chemical Romance. Those reference points just don't exist anymore. They barely exist. I think there's maybe one or two bits on the album where you could go, well, yeah, you know, there's a touch of AFI in that. Mm -hmm. But they are slight. They, they have been few and they're few, few and far, and far between. between absolutely mm. they've been squeezed out certainly um it's interesting you say all that because i do i do agree with you although when i first listened to this album um the, the first time i listened to it my first playthrough i was my heart did sink a, a little bit initially um just for the first two tracks so there's opening track hallelujah which sees the return of this sort of amateur dramatic narration we will be talking about that later you hate uh, that, don't you? oh i fucking hate it and uh <laughs> um i i mean i mean it's objectively bad uh and be my end um is the first song proper on the record which is a pretty standard goth pop uh goth punk creeper number for me uh, in my in my eyes and i actually when i listened to that song my heart sank because i thought oh no is this going to be a retread of eternity but not as good um i'm very very happy to say that it absolutely is not this album is absolutely not that at all but i do think that it would actually be even better if they had 
uh, had even more. It's almost as if they've done that to go, don't worry, we've still got a little bit of that band that you love. But then here's something totally different. And I almost mm. would, I would, I would argue it would have almost been a, a far stronger statement to just, just give them nothing like that. Nothing at all like that. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. I mean, here's before we really, really go into the record. I, you know, I was a little bit like, not that I don't care or I wasn't interested or I don't like them or anything, like, kind of like what you were saying. But I actually, I I wasn't that excited at the idea of a new Creeper record purely because, you know, I thought, man, they're going to the Warp Tour. They're, you know, touring with a lot of these bands mm. in, and the, they've got a, a very young fan base. And I wondered, I did think to myself, I wondered if, you know, what direction this are they going to go? Yeah, this band might just be moving further and further away from me what and the type like, of yeah, stuff that yeah, I like, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's so I, why I had I, those fears as well. To be yeah, and that is why I am delighted mm. to report that they have come, not just running back into my arms, but probably a little bit further down the road than I even expected they would have done. And I think they've made the most interesting, daring, surprising, and well, fuck it. The best, it's the best thing they've ever done. To take your analogy, um, that they've come running into your arms and I've come in behind with a big bear hug and I'm, it's a massive creeper loving, creeper sandwich loving with the right axe <laughs> and, yeah. and the band in the middle. The, um, from track three onwards, I think Sex, Death and the Infinite Void is for the, mo for, for the most part, there will be tiny little things that we go into later, but for the most part, a fucking triumph. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And I never thought I would be sitting here and going, oh, um, the lightning seeds, the mm -hmm. long pigs, the auteurs, Elastica, Pulp, um, pulp even Noel Smiths, Gallagher a little bit. Noel Gallagher. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk to a lot about all this stuff. If you've heard the interview with me and, and you know, the, the kind of, the way that they wanted to make an American album, but they kind of felt that they were lacking a bit of Britishness about it. So they went back to kind of Mott the Hoople and T-Rex and glam rock and that stuff, yeah. which actually kind of ended up manifesting itself in Britpop. Um, you know, I think there's a, a touch of pulp. I know you say that like, it's the most creepery thing on the, you know, t old school creeper thing on the album, Be My End. But I do think there's a touch of, there's a touch of Jarvis about Will's vocal delivery on that song. Just a touch, okay. you know. He's not he's not doing Davy Havoc, and he's not doing um, uh, Gerard Way at all on that. You know, he's not doing Matt Skiba. That's for damn sure. So mm. I think, like, he's although the you know although it is kind of a punk song, um, but then Born Cold, the second song, it's wonderful, is is full blown Smiths, yeah, with this absolutely massive chorus, and then, I mean, Cyanide, I think, is just fucking amazing. Um, it might be my favourite song on it. it. Name checks Christina Applegate in the eighties, which is pure creeper, but it is it is Britpop. Yes, it is, do you know what I mean? It is the sound of nineteen um, nineties Britain, mm. and I think the kind of the interesting thing about that, and again, I said this in the interview that I did with Will, is that had this record come out in nineteen ninety seven, I'd probably have hated it. Mm. Because that was everywhere then. Yeah. But that type of influence just does it's just nobody's doing that anymore. Mm. And for a kind of a kind of punk band who are inspired by, 
like you say, Rocky Horror Picture Show and Meatloaf, and we're trying to make an American album to also bring in influences from like the Long Pigs, yeah, exactly, and Dodgy, and st- and do you know what I mean? And an Oasis. It's like nobody's doing that. It's- nobody's doing that. And twenty five years after the fact. It doesn't sound dated. It sounds refreshing, unbelievably refreshing mm. and exciting. Mm. Yeah. And also the one thing I do agree with everything you're saying. The one thing that I do want to make sure people don't think, though, I don't want people to think that um, this is definitely maybe um, because whilst those no. Britpop influences are in there, they are married to that that sense of OTT theatricality that Creeper have more or less always had certainly since the second ep i would argue um and that is some you know definitely maybe meets the rocky horror picture show <laughs> there's a quote for the title uh for the poster <laughs> um is is not something i've heard done before and it's re- right. it's quite a, it's quite a genius combination really um well, go on what i think they've done very very cleverly is when you think of Britpop, you you think of, you know, this is not park life meets, you know, Welcome to the Black Parade. It no. would be, you know, or meets Les Mis. Do you know what I mean? That would be the obvious thing. To, like when when, yeah. when you think that, oh, it's it's a kind of goth punk Britpop, but with musical stuff. So what is it? Annie, definitely maybe. And, uh, you know, December Underground. No, that's not what it is at all, mm, actually. Mm, mm. It's more like Chris Isaac. And like you said, Roy Orbison and Danzig and touches, little touches of, of Pete Steele and type of negative. And The Killers, mm, Sam's mm. Town by The Killers and Suede, you know, Dogstar Man by Suede. And particularly, and I think this is the absolute bullseye comparison, is Pulp. And not just any Pulp. Yeah. This is hardcore by Pulp. Yeah. If people are aware of Pulp's back catalogue, you know, you think of Pulp, you think Common People, Sorted Freezing Whiz you know uh disco 2000 whatever and i think there are touches of that on there but there is this kind of phil specter wall of noise um and sweeping grandeur that pulp were the best band in from that era at doing that i think i think it's kind of fair to say that pulp were really the best band at doing that from that era would that be fair to say unless you can think of any others yeah i'd say so. i mean i'm not an expert in that era but i'm happy to go with that yeah yeah okay so i'd say pulp were the best at doing that and on this is hardcore they deliberately made an album that was not Britpop. that was kind of a well a a kind of phil specter um loungy orchestral kind of lausch record yeah you know and i i think you know uh, cyanide's brilliant and i mean the, the opening of annabelle it sounds like the beautiful ones by suede i think they are well aware of that I think they've obviously deliberately tried to recreate that. And that song is anthemically brilliant. Um, And then it's when you get to Paradise and it's the first time they go for that kind of David Lynch meets This Is Hardcore era pulp. And it's kind of Americana grit and pure British class. It's Phil Spector and Johnny Cash. It's Chris Isaac and Danzig doing The Universal by Blur. It's... yeah both of those things i got it's fucking great i got so much chris isaac from uh, paradise um i love the so surf guitar in it um i love i mean will is really uh, going all over the place with his vocals 
with this um, in terms of influences and range as well. He's using those low notes, that kind of low baritone, a lot more often than he has done. Poisoned Heart, which was released as a single, oh God, a week ago when we did this. Um, it said, you know, they said that it was massively influenced by Nick Cave and Leonard Cohen. I certainly hear a lot more Cohen in it than I do Cave, um, if I'm honest. But um, yeah, certainly in terms of taking those kind of crooner kind of elements and going to that more baritone place. And it just suits them really well um, to the point where actually I actually kind of often prefer this record in its verses than I do in its choruses, because in its choruses, it becomes far more kind of... Um, <laughs> the, the quite often the 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 register goes up you know an octave and it becomes a far more sort of anthemic thing that we're kind of used to with creeper but i like hearing them doing this roy orbison type stuff the surf guitar mm. stuff the weird mm. yeah the david lynch-esque type things um mm. i i think it's it, i you know that stuff is really really good you said that your um you said that you thought Cyanide was your favourite moment on the album. Cyanide is a great song. Um, loads of pulp in that. And uh, that was actually the the bit where I heard a little bit of Noel Gallagher in Will's voice as well. Yeah. Um, for me, undoubtedly, the absolute quintessential highlight of this album. It once again comes from Hannah's song. Uh, Hannah takes lead vocals on a song. Uh, she does backing vocals on on most of the record, but she takes lead on the song four years ago i say she takes lead it's more of a duet really isn't it it is more of a duet and... it, it, it's it's um space featuring keris matthews but serious yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's very good yeah yeah and again like that phil specter production i think when i mean again like if you've heard the interview with will you'll know this but um will mentioned kind of dusty springfield and yes. trying to get that kind of run or like yeah i, I mean i i did i don't think you did say this but i was thinking like the ronettes and i wrote down the supremes yeah that's what i put yeah. in my notes i think four years ago comes in sounding like the supremes and it's just fantastic it's one of the yeah, best songs brilliant. creeper have ever written it's absolutely brilliant it's probably the only it's one of the only songs on the record that for me is absolutely perfect um probably every single note on it is perfect on this record um and i think from there it's more or less a home home run i mean napalm girls the song after that is fucking brilliant Will has this wicked refrain of her kisses violence, which is just excellent. Uh, which recalls I, I Jane's addiction. That's, that's I think that's the most creep, quintessentially creep, old school creeper song on the record. Personally, said the first one was, but I think well, it's it's got it's the it's the fastest thing on the record by far. I understand what you're saying. It needs that at that point. Yeah, I think it is mm. the fastest, but I, st I still don't. I don't. Uh, is it a? It it it, it still sounds like a it still sounds different to old creeper to me um yeah me too but i think it's probably it's the one that i i could kind of relate to the most in terms of you know a callous heart era song you know? yeah fair enough i mean i i, I think napalm girls is I, I maybe the difference is just i mean i just don't think be my end's a very good song I, th I think it's a pretty limp song to be honest in a really weird limp way to open the album there's going to be millions of people disagree with me but you know i i just i just thought it was a really weak beginning to this to what is overall a fucking fantastic record um but like i say i've heard it a few times now and every time be my end comes in i'm just like oh for goodness sake i just i just you know it doesn't it sounds very old school creeper that song 
um uh which is you know fine but it's also kind of not what they're going for with this record i don't i mm. it i don't think it needs to be on there at all um uh this is a concept record as as usual for uh yep. creeper and as per they do this kind of thing really really well that whole thing that we've discussed before with bands having kind of hidden elements and depths of their record um tool radiohead you know bands like that they do this kind of thing and creeper are very good at creating a world around their albums for the devoted to dive into i think that's part of the reason why they have such a devoted fan base um what I'm not into is when that comes as a detriment to the music itself. And um, I did say that we'd come back to the narration. Um, I mean, I've been quite vocal about how poor I think the narration at the beginning of Eternity in Your Arms is. Um, mm -hmm. The narration, there is more narration on this record, which kind of tells, sort of helps tell the story um, of the of the album, uh, which is very loosely boy moves to new city goes off the rails meets new girl falls in love and the world as they know it ends classic um i just I think it's a lot of sort of man who fell to earth i mean i only know this because i've looked i will spoken to me about it as well obviously, okay if you've heard that interview um but there's yeah it's kind of man that fell to earth when i first listened to it i thought it was similar to like I tried to listen to it and work out what it was, and I, you know, you know the film Dogma, the Kevin Smith film. Yes. Um, I sort of wondered if it was loosely based around that, but it's not. Okay. Um, although it is still somebody falling to earth, and you know. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a bit of that kind of again, David Bowie thing. How much they they love Bowie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, go on. And, and there is a th there is a fair amount of that narration on this record which I, for mm. me, for my money and for my tastes i wish i just wish that it didn't exist to be honest i wish i just wish it wasn't on there now we're probably talking i did i did intend to go through the record and actually find out exactly how much of it is narration based I, in reality it's may it's probably two or three minutes of of narration well, in total i've got it up in front of me there's 46 seconds which start the album 18 seconds in celestial violence there's one called holy war which is 23 seconds um crown of life is seven seconds yeah so you're looking at but then you've well, got then you've got like a minute and a half at the end haven't you uh yes you do so you're looking at like a minute and a half two minutes uh you're looking at just over three minutes of yeah. the record okay so so some and and you know i, I it did occur to me that we've talked about quite recently. We talked about, for example, The Burning Red by Machine Head. Weird comparison. Stick with me for a second. Um, <laughs> when uh, when um, Rob Flynn, you know, talking about people moaning about the rapping on that record. There's only two or three minutes on a 53-minute record, I believe it is. And people could people could point to me about this with the narration, say it's only three minutes on a... It's not a very long record, is it? It's about 40 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it just depends how much that narration irks you and fuck me mm. it irks me pisses me off so much um it really annoys me some of them you can skip because some of them are just uh individual tracks but some of them you can't and um mm. i just i just think it sounds really amateur it is better than what they had on eternity in your arms but it still doesn't sound very good do you I agree think, i mean I kind of do agree. I mean, the, the thing is, I'm very much of the like 
Do I need it? No. no. Do I like it? No, not really. Does it bother me? Not especially. If okay. I do go, oh, what's that? Oh, okay. and, it's, and then it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, we did I talk do, about this I, with Wilderun I, not too long ago as well, like a couple yeah. of weeks ago. And Wilderun does have the same thing. It doesn't have as much narration. And I also think it's done to a better standard, if I'm totally honest. I think it is a much better quality. Um, but, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Uh, it's, it but is. I think because it's, it's short, it's, these are sort of such, such short little bits. And also, I think... Um, because Creeper always go for, like you say, Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm. Flash Gordon, WWE wrestling, yeah. that kind of thing. I do wonder if they go, you know, we want to make, we're not scared to make this kind of camp and a bit, and, and a, and a bit cheesy. Cheesy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with it being kind of OTT. So I, I wonder, like, part of me is like, well, is it done that like that on be, purpose? Yeah, are we missing the point and is it done like that on purpose? Whether or not that's true, mm. um, me personally, I don't need it. Song-wise, there's very little I would change from this record at all. So if we're talking about three minutes of um, narration that that I don't think is that great, but it actually doesn't really bother me particularly, then, I mean, in terms of an album, it's, it, it's you know, it's, it's not really much of a... It's not really that big a deal for me, but... I do agree with you that I am always like, yeah, 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 come on. That's a perfectly fair thing to say. And and certainly it would be so trite and ridiculous to turn around and be like, it ruins the record or anything like that. And I don't think that. It's just, uh, I, I just think it's a shame. <laughs> I just think it's a shame. Um, and there are some people who are going to fucking love the narration. Um, so I am aware that this is this is really a taste thing rather than I mean I did slightly I think I you slightly, have a, sorry go on you have a less of a, a sort of uh, a, uh, you have a, a shorter fuse for sort of camp kitsch yeah. stuff I think don't you I yeah, I think generally that's true yeah 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 um, yeah generally I think that's true um, yeah and it is just going to depend on what your fuse is like for that and obviously creeper are aiming for that wholeheartedly so to to kind of to kind of um dismiss them for that uh, is a kind of dumb thing to do but i i i had to it it irks me enough that i had to mention it i had to mention it because it really annoys me and certainly when i get my copy i mean it annoys me to the to the extent that when i get my copy of this record which i will do because it's a brilliant record um i will be meticulously going through it and cutting all of the narration out because it fucks me off that much (laughs) Uh, we should say um you got we didn't mention the kind of doo-wop song thorns of love which is really 50s rock and roll really great uh the album ends with Black Moon, which I think I mentioned Sam's Town by the Killers, that kind of Vegas Springsteen croon. I think that's brilliant. Uh, sounds like an insult. It's really not meant to be. Um, All My Friends is the big ballad that ends the album. It's the one where I thought, oh, they're going to go for another I Choose, I choose to, to Live. live. And As whilst it does start in that way, it never builds to the same crescendo. Hmm. And it shows a lot more restraint yes. than that song does. Even though I have to say, I think I Choose to Live is an absolutely fucking phenomenal song it's uh yeah i love that song beautiful brilliant incredible song Mm. um but all my friends is is a really great way to end the record as well i think this is a great record i think it's a great record i think it's i think it's very 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 good and i think it's a um 
I think it's the record they needed to make. Uh, inevitably, there are going to be loads of people who moan and complain and say it doesn't have, you know, it's not the Creeper of old and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah, good. Because the Creeper of old was not as good as everyone thought it was. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, and this this is, you said that this is the best thing that Creeper have done. Um, I am still trying to make up my mind between this and uh oh the 30 piece called the stranger isn't it is it the stranger yeah. um i because I, the stranger to me is a almost perfect ep that is a f that is that was the high watermark mm, for great, me yeah. in, in in the past with creeper um i probably need a little bit more time with this before i decide but certainly it is on a par it's it's not far off the stranger and and that is that is you know saying a lot from me because i do really like that ep um and i think this is exquisite and all of those people there will be people who say that you know it's worse as a result objectively this is a better record than anything creeper have done before definitely i mean i just really 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 am delighted that they have shown the kind of maturity that i think they needed to that they kind of needed to show that you know there are people out there who those people you mentioned who don't like creeper and you're like oh it's just fucking kids blah 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 blah, blah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's shit on here that you think well if you didn't know this was and it came on on six music then the You'd kind like of it. stuart stuart mcconey's of the world yeah. would start be will be going oh yeah, this is great exactly and then you go it's creeper it's that band that all those kids who like go to slam dunk like exactly and then it'd be like oh no i don't you know it's like mm. Uh, I, I think they've set themselves up for a far longer and more interesting career by doing this record. Exactly. And it's way more suited to my taste as a 40 year old man. And, <laughs> um, and I'm just really, really happy that they've made this record. I think it's, I think it's great. And I, to be honest, I didn't, I thought I was, I would like another creeper album and another mm. album of creeper stuff, but I, I didn't know if they would make an album that is so uh, that was so different, and now that they have, I'm fucking way back in. I, I think they're excellent. I definitely didn't expect to like it as much as I did. I mean, um, like I say, like I said right at the beginning of this um, uh, review, for me, Creeper have always been overrated, but uh, certainly this record is kind of showing that they are a band once again who bring in so many more influences than their peers i mean you talked about them being part of that warp tour scene i mean compared to the other bands that they play with on that warp tour scene they are leagues ahead they are leagues mm. ahead of them and this album i i sort of before this album i just i knew that they were better than those bands but i wouldn't have said they were leagues and leagues and leagues ahead of them now this record makes it clear to me that they are leagues ahead of those bands they'll probably still continue to play with those bands and that's fine because a lot of that's where a lot of their audience is but actually i hope they break out of that scene eventually yeah i think they and will. they should I think do. eventually they will yeah, they deserve they to do. they're better than that they are um yeah. creeper sex death and the infinite void is out now you should go and listen to it it's really good let's move on to something else i mean this is something else uh imperial triumphant alphaville the fourth album from the new york black and death metal jazz band we featured their last record uh vile luxury from 2018 in uh, trade-off you gave me that back when we were doing that i liked it a lot you gave it to me said you admired it a lot 
uh, I think both of us were like, bloody hell, oh God, this is mad, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, also saw now, them, I also saw them live last year and I'm, I'm sure I reviewed it on the show. Yeah. And, I, I I, and, and my, my, um, my feeling seeing them live was like, it's either total genius or total arse. Mm. Now there is a significant bit of hype that is coming around this band at this point. Um, and I guess four albums in, we're thinking, well, can they live up to it? Um, sort of is the short answer. Yeah, well, just just to just to um, support what you just said, uh, it's received some amazing reviews. This record, uh, nine out of tens in Metal Hammer, Metal Temple, Rock Sins, Metal Wanny, Distorted Sound. Um, I found one seven out of ten, but in the main, the reviews have been absolutely glowing for this. Um, I think that albums like this make a mockery of scoring systems to be honest um so whilst you will see a lot of nine out of tens and things like that uh i I mean scoring this record just seems completely pointless to my mind because (laughs) 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 it it seems it's i I mean i i appreciate you know i'm not having a go at those publications that's how they do it yada 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 but you know it, it it really is we we occasionally sort of jokingly give stuff scores but it is just a waste of time with this record isn't yeah, it because it's so, it's absolutely it's so man <laughs> i i really struggled so much with this record and actually with the band as a whole really i've always 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 massively admired this band massively admired them because they're creating a sound which is quite pretty different from what i've heard before i've never really heard black metal mixed with really atonal jazz before you have had stuff like shining and so on and so forth but this is different isn't it this is yeah you know the lazy way to describe this the simple easy way to describe this is behemoth meets the dillinger escape plan and i've not would you agree with that mm-hmm. yeah and i've yeah. not and i've not i've not I've not really heard that before. No. Um, and in a, you know, having listened to this fourth album, Alphaville, quite extensively now, I feel like that I, I was hoping that I would come to a conclusion as to whether I, whether this band to me are sublime or shit. And unfortunately, I still haven't come to that conclusion at all. I have no fucking idea. And in a sense, I think that's an immediate victory for Imperial Triumphant because I've been doing this whole music journalism thing in a quote unquote professional capacity for a decade now. You've been doing it for a similar amount of time, a little bit longer. It's rare that an album comes along that completely and utterly stumps me. Um, And I have to hand it to them despite being aware of this band for a good 18 months, having heard Vile Luxury a few times, having seen them live, I still don't actually know if I even like this band or not. But what I will say about them is I am drawn to them. I I do, I am drawn to them because it's so alien. It's such an interesting thing that they do that I come back to them like you would a car crash or, you know, or, or like if, if I don't know, I once... I once was on a tube train where um, uh, someone jumped in front of the tube train. And I had a very weird moment of being like, 
this might be the only time I see a dead body. And I had this really weird um, desire to like look at this dead body, which is something which I almost certainly would not have wanted to see and would have been quite difficult for me to see. But it kind yeah. of compels me in that way. It's something that I feel like I shouldn't look at. And yet I'm drawn to it. It's a morbid curiosity. This. Do you agree with this? Do you? I'm not sure what you're thinking. Well, there is no doubt that this is an incredibly challenging and accomplished record. Yes, we've got seven seven tracks and two covers. One is a Voivod song. One is a replacement song. Um, <laughs> just just that. Uh, it's insane. Gives you a sort of insight into the fucking madness that we are talking about yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It is an album, I think, which requires a lot of patience yes. and a huge deal of open mindedness as well. Yes. Um. It's rare at this point for a metal album to come in and it makes me feel a bit ill. Like yeah. I, I remember the first time I heard Prowler in the Yard by Pig Destroyer and so I was I. just like, what the fuck? Yeah. I remember yeah. the first time I heard Calculating Infinity yes. and I went, what the fuck? Yes. I remember seeing Will, ha you know, to go back even further than that, I remember hearing, uh, seeing Will Haven supporting Deftones and just being like, huh? Or, you know, I often talk about hearing Rat my hat by Sepultura and just being like what and all of those things like the first time you hear something and you go oh god what is this well a more more modern comparison point and it isn't strictly a metal record but it, this album reminded me a lot um not because it you sounds guess, like it but you get what you, you say want Caligula no I was going to say you okay. get what you want by daughters the reason mm. I'm not mentioning Caligula is because I think it makes you feel uncomfortable in a different way oh yeah 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 um I so, was gonna I was gonna say let's not you know, let's take Caligula out of the equation as no. that is a completely different thing altogether. No, I don't I don't I, think Caligula is a good comparison point. But I do no. think you won't get what you want by daughters is not because they sound alike, but because they both make you feel extremely uncomfortable. Um yeah, I actually kind of I I'm happy to wallow in the filth with daughters. Yes. More than I am with this, to be perfectly honest. True. Um yes, I agree. So which is why I think you won't get what you want is a better album. Yeah, it, uh, it's for me. It's definitely a better record. I mean, uh, open and rotted futures. It takes a little while to come in. Yes, uh, when it does, it's just it's just dizzying, and it seems to get weirder and weirder and weirder the longer you get into it. The jazz chords, about three and a half minutes in, yeah. are just maddening. Yeah, yes, yeah. like maddening is the what word. What are you doing? And yeah. you look at it and you go, "Fuck me!" There's still another two and a half minutes. Of this. Yeah. A song left and i don't yeah. know where it's going it is wonderfully maddening this album yes i mean i feel yes, yes. I, I i like what you were saying about coming in and feeling like you know would i have a bigger grasp or a better grasp on this record and this band i feel like i have less of a grasp on them now <laughs> than i did having listened to the previous album and i think the fact that they're getting more extreme and more challenging as they progress is certainly to their credit Without Absolutely. any shadow of a doubt. Absolutely. You know, like, it would be probably be a, lo a lot easier now they're getting covered in Metal Hammer and they're getting great scores from across the board and yeah. people are actually paying attention to them. It probably would be a little bit easier for them to turn around and go, well, you know, we can try and write some songs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, because then you get the second song, Excelsior, and it's just blast <sighs> beats and then everything stops and just sounds like it's melting. And then you get yeah. this kind of broken electronic orchestral part to end the song. And I just think, 
Is that even a song? I mean, is that even a song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this even? What is this? I don't even know if it's actually a song. Well, it does. It does make you reevaluate what a song actually is. I mean, I would. I would counter. I'm, I'm a post rock fan, so of course I'd counter. It's a song. Of course it's a song because you know this idea of verse, chorus, verse, middle eight. Well, yeah, it it, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um. It's such a weird, I mean, there is a very fine line between genius and art. Um, and this album and this band as a whole, I think, dance merrily over the line and jump between the two constantly. Um, I've never, I've listened to this album a fair amount in the last couple of weeks. And I have never, uh, I've never, I've never managed to listen to the entire thing and enjoy the whole thing the whole way through um which i i wonder if that's a problem or not i mean it's kind of like you kind of go what are you meant to enjoy it yeah (sighs) it's a difficult one that and but there are also parts you mentioned excelsior there and there are moments of excelsior that part i think it was a really good description of of it sounds like it's melting it sounds fucking insane i mean it's bonkers mm. and it is amazing and i listen to it and i go wow this is kind of full of hell levels of of brilliance but especially then, when it's just been absolutely white hot oh yeah for so yeah long. yeah but it's but, a really clever interesting thing to oh, do with the song which it is a song it's yeah. it's amazing yeah. it's amazing but the beginning of excelsior sounds like a comedy parody of an avant-garde band because it's got this ridiculously atonal jazz riff which is played on a bass guitar which immediately makes it funnier than if it was just played on played on a electric guitar and it kind of feels like the sort of thing that mckean guest and shearer would have parodied you know in in, like if they did a spinal tap sequel that looked Mm. into avant-garde extreme music very unlikely i know but if they did (laughs) i can imagine harry shearer doing that uh, that riff on the bass riff and it's it's laughable like it is actually laughable and i'm not saying that it's bad but i'm just saying that this album pushes the extremes of avant-gardeness to such a ridiculous extreme that sometimes for me it actually goes into parody and people you could argue that you know metal is ridiculous anyway so what what do you expect but i don't know so what I, I maybe i just need to embrace the absurdity of it a bit more but i there are times when i find the sheer avant-gardeness of this record kind of eye-rolling rather than pushing yeah, the boundaries well, I think that's because we've got used to the boundaries not being pushed. I mean, there's a Maybe. song called C- "City Swine," which I said it sounds like Calculate Infinity if it was a gr- if they if Dillinger were a grindcore band rather yeah. than whatever they yeah. were. Yeah, And there's a there's a piano part yeah. in it over these blast bits, and it just you know when it's like it's like you know when your teeth go, you go like, my teeth feel funny. Yeah. Like, like, oh, yeah. It puts my teeth on edge. Yeah. Like it yeah. puts it's like nails down a chalkboard. Do I like it? I don't, I've no idea, (laughs) but but I just think like fair play with them because they are fucking with you. They are fucking with you so hard. True. And I I am struggling to think of a metal band. Like, you know, like I say, I remember hearing Calculating Infinity and just going, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. What the Mm -hmm. fuck? And I think, you know, in my mind, System of a Down were were crazy, Mm -hmm. were wacky, were like extreme or whatever. I'd heard Napalm Death. I'd heard you know early death metal band you know i had a day aside and stuff but i heard dillinger and i was like what are they trying to do what are yeah. they trying to say and there's something about this where and and basically like 
you know, let's be real about it. There's been some incredibly brilliant things that have happened in heavy music. And when I say heavy music, I, I mean I mean something like Caligula, mm. which is not metal, but it's heavy music. Yeah. But yeah. there's been and there's been some incredible stuff in extreme metal. But even something as original and fresh and exciting and as um daring as the satanist i still went you know like everything that i've heard from this i've kind of heard it it's 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 one or two steps away from something that i've heard mm. you know it's mm. not a complete surprise whereas this is like i mean <laughs> again like i say i've heard behemoth i've heard dillinger but i've never heard it done to just again like atomic age is a song on it that just makes me feel sick it just speeds up and speeds up and speeds up and it's like it's out of control and you're you know you're five minutes into a nine minute long song and i just thought it just keeps speeding up it yeah. just keeps <laughs> speeding up and i was like there's still fucking four minutes of this left and mm. i think I'm, I, I feel sick and you know i think metal should push you in in that way it should well that's it true should occasionally yeah. push you in that way and it should make you feel uncomfortable and I, I did think it has been a while where i've it has been so long since i've heard an album and i just thought i can't take much more of this yeah i can't take yeah. much more of it. Yeah. i was listening to i mean if anyone follows me on instagram you'll know i put up uh, an instagram post of um me listening to human 2.0 by nausum Yesterday. Oh, I listened to that the other and day, I, yeah. And I sat in my chair with my legs crossed and a cup of tea with a big grin on my face <laughs> being like, mm, <laughs> nausum. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? I fucking love it. I love it. And that's nausum. Like, yeah, they're a yeah. really horrible, horrible sound band. Horrible band, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I like that shit, but they, they don't do this to me. They just don't. This is the dangerous thing, isn't it? Because cause no one has moaned more about metal being stuck in a rut more than us slash really me it's you yeah primarily me although i think it a fair bit as well yeah and and i do i am aware that me turning around going this is ridiculous is a little bit um is a little bit kind of hypocritical when when Uh, what's just it's just proof that you hate metal like I, I do real I I do realise that it could certainly come across as slightly hypocritical. And I'd like uh, to be super clear, I'm not saying that this album I don't I, I I certainly don't think this album's a failure in many ways. I think it's absolutely incredible. But I also don't know if it's something that I'm going to return to all that much. Is that a bad thing? I mean I don't return to Caligula all that much and it was in my top twenty albums of last year, you know. But I don't I think the thing that I'm sort of trying to point out is whilst this is incredible in so many ways and it does push boundaries and it does make you does give you that calculating infinity feeling um, or that that feet that feet that, you know, I think you won't get what you want is a brilliant um, example as well. I think the reason why it doesn't have the quality of those records is because there are bits where you just kind of feel like this is a little bit aimless um it's i mean it is too long um this record is let's 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 pretend the covers aren't part of it for a moment it's still (laughs) it's still 50 minutes or so Mm. um and for music that this that is this intense and this sadistic it's too fucking long 
Um, it just doesn't, you know, there's a reason why calculating infinity is what, 35 minutes, something like that, yeah. you know. And, you know, this isn't hardcore in that, in that sense. This isn't like, there isn't much punk in this in a sort of musical sense. But no. it, it just, no, come on. It's too fucking long. Um, and there just isn't enough. There is dynamics on this record. There's definitely dynamics. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think the thing is, is even when the album does stop its sort of sadistic kind of, um, you know, banging you over the head constantly, I think what kind of miffed me was the 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 calm moments the calm before the, st- the calm before the storm moments the quality of them is not wonderful like so for example so like transmission to mercury oh actually what? i think i think trans i think transmission to mercury is actually the exception so you've chosen the well, yeah, one exception there well i i was gonna say transmission to mercury is really good because it yeah. takes so long to build up and it's so quiet at the start then when it finally snaps you can go oh I've had a bit of a breather. Exactly. But then saying that... And that's when it's at its most powerful. Yeah. But then saying that, by the end, it goes so mental with the horns and these Mm. mad drums Mm. and that off-time guitar Mm. squealing that it just drags you... Like, it's just... I can't take it for the... Because it's so mad, I can't take it for for that that long. Mm. Maybe I'm just a pussy, Renfrey. But I did listen to that song and I was like, this is great. And I know that it's about to go berserk. And then when it does, I was like, great. And then after about a minute and a half of it, I was like, poor man. But that's exactly the attitude that annoys me. I know you were saying that um, jokingly, but there are people who are going to be like, oh, well, you just can't take it because you're a pussy. And it's like, no, it's just not as good as say you won't get what you want, for example. You know, Um, you did you did choose the one moment where I think the dynamic play works really really well with transmission to mercury but i mean i was going to say for example i mean before hearing this record i heard loads and loads and loads of talk about this barbershop quartet that's that's on the record and i thought oh my Mm. god a barbershop quartet with the imperial triumphant sound that i'm familiar with it you know mixed with um black metal and those weird discordant jazz chords and putting a barbershop quartet on top of that that's going to be really exciting so i was massively fucking disappointed to hear that they don't incorporate the barbershop quartet into those elements the barbershop quartet just begin just appears at the beginning of atomic age for less than 30 seconds and it's like a, a truly great band would attempt to meld those two things rather than just put a barbershop quartet in the middle of this fucking weird ass record and i think that i think it's those things where i go well you fucking dropped the ball there didn't you and that's why you're not quite you should have pushed that even further and you should have pushed those elements further rather than just trying to make everyone sick all the time and i i wonder how much artistry is involved in that really i'm not i don't want to (laughs) there is loads of artistry in this record that that like they're they're just like fuck me i couldn't play half the shit on this record like couldn't play nine tenths of the shit on this record they're certainly talented as fuck you know i mean they're incredible musicians 
we haven't even gone into the fucking um um what they look like and stuff like that i mean they look like um the gold masked enemy in flash gordon uh <laughs> you know they look incredible and the look of them is amazing and seeing them live as well with that look it's very strong and very very striking kind of black robes and these beautiful gold masks um ms doom if you're mf doom that's a great shout yeah um they have a kind of um uh metropolis type vibe as Mm -hmm. in the film um you know i mean it it, they look amazing and there's loads about this record which is really um like like jaw-dropping jaw-droppingly amazing but there's such a there's a sadism to it that just ended up irking me if i'm totally honest and i think that sadism i think there's a lot of people who are going to go oh this is amazing isn't it because it's going to make them seem above their station or like cooler than other people because they can take the sadism but in reality i think that's just poppycock i think i i don't think being massively sadistic for 50 minutes necessarily makes an incredible artistic statement i think there are Mm. amazing bits on this but i do think they kind of i think it would actually you know i know i kind of know that you disagree with this but i personally think dillinger got better and better as they went on because they added more light and shade and because this is just full of shade it's like you know there there are like it is a dynamic record but because it's just constantly trying to make you feel i don't think that's i i don't see as much merit in that as say disassociation where which starts with limerent death but then ends with one of the most beautiful you know string quartet arrangements that 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 final title track i think there's a lot more artistry in what Dillinger did on that record than in what Imperial Triumph are trying to do on this one. I know which one I'd rather listen to. I mean, I think it's a great album. I'm not sure, as I said, how many actual songs are on it. That's my my main thing is that I think even the most sort of harrowing and grimy black metal bands, you go, well, I can tell there's some sort of song here. And they're obviously, it's, you know, it's avant-garde and it's it's you know it's avant-garde jazz and it's maybe not trying to do this and i you know but as an exercise in just wanton destructive tendencies i actually think this album's pretty fucking rad oh i couldn't and, can't, and can't I, agree and I, totally yeah and and i think you know like i'm i'm a fan of when bands just try and you know destroy things so mm. i can't sit here and go this sucks or it's not very good or whatever i think it's good i think you're probably right in a lot of what you said i mean certainly i'm not going to talk about it too much but the happy home of the residence cover is rubbish it is That's rubbish. terrible yeah it's just dreadful um the voivod co- cover is quite good though yeah the voivod cover is far better but you know overall uh it's something that people should listen to. I'll be Definitely. interested to think what people said. Um, as Alphaville by Imperial Triumphant. Let's move along swiftly. Um, <laughs> to Taylor good. Swift from Imperial Triumphant to Taylor Swift. The album is called Folklore. It is the eighth studio album from the country pop kid turned iconic megastar superstar Taylor Swift. Tay Tay was meant to be headlining Glastonbury this year, which I'm sure would have been a hell of a show uh obviously we didn't get that but we do get a new and very different album for more instead which uh just dropped 
surprisingly as a little lockdown treat last week only i think just just over a year since her last album came out now i'm sorry to interrupt I, you. i'm sorry to interrupt you steve but you've you've just you've just raised a point in my head and i just want to bring it up before before we get too far into it do you think she would have played lots of material from this album at that glastonbury performance well that i'm not been sure a weird that, one, wouldn't that it? Well, I'm not sure this album would have been written if she'd have been playing Glastonbury. Ah, good point. Good point. Fair enough. So who knows? Um, if it had been written, then yes, probably, because mm. it would be a new album and she'd be promoting it. And, you know, it would make a lot of sense at Glastonbury, I think, this record. Do you so, think so? Because um, I'm not... I'm, yes. As a headline set? Yep. Okay. Mm. At Glastonbury, yeah. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Uh, I actually really like Taylor Swift. Little mm. bit of backstory. My little sister asked me for one of her records, which I believe would have been her 2006 self-titled album for Christmas one year. And I'd never heard of her before at that point. I didn't know who she was. But um, I kept an eye out for her. I went and got the album. I thought, okay, fine. Um, my little sister likes her. And as it happened, it became easier and easier as the years progressed to keep an eye on Taylor Swift <laughs> as she quite deservingly, in my opinion, became one of the definitive artists of her generation. Two uh, Grammys for album of the year for two different albums. Um, endless sold out tours and number one albums. She makes great, really, truly brilliant, great pop songs that will be played by people for as long as there is music. In a hundred years' time, people will still be playing Taylor Swift's music when they think of what was going on in the 2010s, what was happening in music. People will put on Taylor Swift's music. That's how big she is. And I think that's having, very, very likely indeed. Yes. Yeah. And I have to say as well, having watched her recent Netflix documentary, she comes across as a really, really decent human being as well. Okay. A really cool. interesting, articulate, intelligent, mature, sensible um uh, and cr artistically credibly minded young lady so i like taylor swift a lot mm -hmm. having said that me liking someone is not the be all and end all of whether we cover someone on this show for example i love the pet shop boys i love the pet shop boys and they had a new album out this year and we didn't cover it on the show because we weren't really sure if we could quite justify it i mean i feel like i probably could have done i reckon but you, you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah um it does take a bit more than just, oh, one of us likes them for them to get on yeah. the show. Would I review Duran Duran's new album on the show? Probably not, because I don't really think Duran Duran have anything to do with alternative culture. Mm. Although um, a lot of this is about context. So Duran Duran will be coming up in classic albums it's one day. It's <laughs> I think it certainly would have been. I mean, uh, I've not heard it in full, but but the songs I've heard from Reputation. I, I was at the indie when Reputation came out, and I remember. So I had to hear li little bits and pieces of it there. Like it would have been weird for us to cover a, a, an album like Reputation on this show. Mm. I think. Yeah, when you consider the things that we don't cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it does take a little bit more for them to get on the show and for us to kind of find some sort of justification. And in this case, we have the justification because of the production job by the Nationals, Aaron Dessner, and a guest appearance from Bon Iver, who um, have pointed this album, I think, far more into the wheelhouse of something we would usually cover. So for that, it makes sense for us to tackle a Taylor Swift album that essentially is the first album of hers that really exists in our world well also right? yes absolutely agree with all of that but also even more so than that what are we what we're presented with here is um a 
uh, I don't know, former pop artist, probably still pop artist, who has basically written a sad, melancholy singer-songwriter piano album. Um, mm-hmm. And we cover those quite a lot. <laughs> you know, we, we, we cover those loads. So so it's absolutely 100% in our wheelhouse. So yes, us covering it. But before we go any further, um, the reaction to this record, which has been incredibly well received by the press at large, the reaction to this record label from some of Taylor Swift's fans has been pretty fucking pathetic. Mm. And it was the one thing that kind of put me off this little. Um, if you are one of those people who listen and find everything to do with Taylor Swift and you've never listened to us before and you've just decided to come, you know, skipping on in for this review. Hello. Welcome to the show. An eight out of ten on Pitchfork um, is a really, really good score for anyone. For anyone, 8 out of 10 is good, particularly on Pitchfork, who <laughs> have given t- four albums 10 in 20 years. Um, for that writer to get death threats on Twitter for an 8, an 8 out of 10. Um, I mean, really, really, in reality, you might get a couple of albums every year that is truly a 10, truly a perfect album. So if you're getting an 8 or a 9, then you should be absolutely delighted with that. Really, if you're getting a seven, you should be pretty happy with getting a seven. Mm. I think that attitude is embarrassing. The calls that Pitchfork hate women because this album and far worse albums than this by Lana Del Rey, Adele and Halsey, average art made by average pop stars that are not worth any kind of genuine high score from people who listen to music that is more far ranging and interesting and challenging than something like fucking Adele got bad scores whilst you know they ignore the 10 that fiona apple got or the 10 that bjork and kate bush got or the high scores for beyonce and little sims and laura marlin and phoebe bridges and chelsea wolf and many many other female artists that got great scores on pitchfork just because those people who listen to pop artists and nothing else um don't know about those artists i think it's fucking pathetic so if you've come here to hear this review we are not here to shower praise on an artist just because they're big or because of their previous achievements or for the amount of albums that they sell. They're going to be judged on the music that gets put in front of us and that alone. And this record, for our first go at doing something folky, it's not a bad, it's not a bad effort at all. But trust me, take the eight and be fucking thankful for it anyway. <laughs> the record itself I, I actually no i'd just like to add to that i mean anyone who who sends um death threats to uh someone for having an opinion that differs from them is just fucking scum i think um yeah. it's absolutely pathetic um mm-hmm. we talked about devotion and uh you know with with creeper obviously the, the devotion of taylor swift fans is even even larger but um i mean <sighs> we are very we are two very passionate people about music but then there is a there is a fucking line man and like and and sending someone death threats because yeah as you correctly pointed out you've already said it but 8.0 out of 10 particularly on pitchfork who is a website who as we have said before don't like music <laughs> generally that is a two for two for the fragile by nine inch nails let, like let that sink in 1.1.9 I mean, for lateralis by tool yeah. you know um i mean i mean pitchfork pitchfork do some great stuff and they do have some great writers but undoubtedly they do have a reputation for being really fucking bit arrogant and like like shitty yeah. to music quite often you know so mm-hmm. 
yeah, eight point. That is a really good score. I would also argue, for my money, I mean, we'll get into this in a second. I think it's a a little bit more than this record probably deserves. So you know, let's yeah. bring on the death threats. Um, but you know, um, there you go. So Taylor Swift is great. Her fans can be fucking cunts. Yeah. Um, first four songs are exceptional on this record. I think Renfrey ah. absolutely brilliant opening mm-hmm. to the record. The one is lovely. I think the production job on it is brilliant. Those kind of plucked strings with a kind of electro beat behind it is great. Her flow on the song as well. I mean, again, for the first time you're sort of hearing Taylor Swift in this slightly new guise, she's got a really, it's not just that her voice is good and her tone is good. It's a really interesting vocal pattern. You'll meet some woman on the internet and take her home is a brilliant line delivered Mm -hmm. in a really surprising way. And straight away I was like, wow, this is, this is good. And then you get cardigan, Mm -hmm. which is a really sweet, catchy, quite heartbreaking, like lovely, it's a mixture of kind of heartbreaking and warm and fuzzy, mm-hmm. that song. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again, production, really fucking Lovely. great. Um, and I think that The Last American Dynasty is brilliant. Like, fucking brilliant. It's so rare that you get a pop star of this size that can really connect with something so with their listener so personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but that song does that. It's brilliant. It's really descriptive. It's really, it paints the picture of the home and this woman and his family and her actions um it's about basically she bought a house and it's about the woman who lived in a house before her Mm -hmm. so it's a personal thing from stuff that she's learned from her kind of lived lived experiences if you like and the storytelling which is what this genre a kind of folk and country it's about storytelling it's about bringing these characters to life certainly a big part of it yeah yeah and and i i think she does like such a great job of painting that picture through her words and through her her lyrics and, you know, through her vocal performance. It's, it's a, it's a really, really brilliant opening to the record. Um, I don't disagree with any of that. Um, I would like to point out exile as well. Uh, I suppose this is a, well, I was about to come. Okay. All right. Well, the duet with Bon Iver is as good as it promised to be. I think, I mean, the idea of Taylor Swift and Bon Iver, doing a duet with this sort of style did appeal to me definitely and yeah i think it is as good as it as it as it as it has any right to be do you know what i mean i think it's really 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 good also later on in the record i really really enjoyed epiphany and the way that Mm -hmm. that builds up in a very post-rock manner um (laughs) with uh, well it does uh the slow build of brass that builds up and stuff like that there's some really there's some really 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 good songs on this record can can we just go back to exile of course yeah what a fucking great song. I think the juxtaposition between their two voices yes. is great. Yes. And when they build to that crescendo where they're basically doing two completely different vocal melodies over the top of each other, that is exceptional. That is a spine yeah. tingling. That song is so, it is so, so good, that song, that the album can only dip a little bit after that song. It, on, it, it can only dip because it's so great, that song. And and it does slightly dip a little bit from from that point for me. I think um, the next song, My Tears Ricochet, is good. I think it's actually a good song. But I actually feel that it would have helped her a little bit having just done something so brilliant if she'd have upped the pace a little bit at that point. Mm-hmm. It has been fairly one-paced, those four songs in. Mm-hmm. And she's absolutely hit the bullseye with Exile, with, with Bon Iver. And I think just to change it up a little bit, 
would be better than you know don't try and hit the bullseye again and miss slightly i mean it's an outer ball rather than a bullseye on that song it's still a really really great song yeah. i just think because it's it comes after this just fucking tsunami of brilliance yeah um it suffers a little bit from it i think personally but, but this is the thing isn't it this is this is the thing with this record it is very one paced very mm-hmm. one note it is not dynamic at all um and i think the thing is i mean rather predictably as we sort of already said folklore has garnered a wealth of very 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 positive reviews um as i always like to quote metacritic because it just it gives us an idea of where these things sit currently has a score of 89 on metacritic which puts it in the same which is the same score as albums by run the jewels rena soyo armor and most interestingly of all for my money laura marling because laura marling i think is the closest comparison of those three artists by yeah with this record anyway um folklore is has some wonderful wonderful moments on it which we have just discussed which you've mainly discussed and i've uh, agreed with in the main um but it is objectively not as good a record as say songs for our daughter song for our daughter by laura marling or fetch the bolt cutters by fiona apple or forever blue by a williams or punisher by phoebe bridges or straight songs of sorrow by mark lanagan all singer songwriter type records that have come out this year and it is objectively not as good as any of those records because it is so one paced it has very few dynamic shifts it's 16 tracks and 63 minutes long and 27 seconds and it's 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 far too long for a record of this nature with so little dynamism it is way 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 too long it's a really pleasant record to listen to. It's certainly a lovely, pleasant record to sort of put on in the background. And like it creates a really nice, vivid mood in the background. But the thing is, is like the truly amazing records are records that really suck you in um, for their entire length as well, I would say. And, and this mm-hmm. record definitely has moments where it sucks you in. And it definitely has really, really, really good parts to it. But... I think it's been approached in a pop way. We've discussed in the past how kind of like pop artists will tend to throw as many tracks onto their albums as possible these days because the more tracks you have, the more money you'll make from Spotify and streaming and stuff like that. And and it is the artists like Taylor Swift. Those are the only artists who are actually going to make any kind of money from streaming. So it's not a creatively artistic decision having 16 tracks on the record. It's a business one. And that's why this album suffers. And that's why this album is not a five-star record and is not as good as a lot of the people say it is. And I I think the good thing with this is, I mean, I don't want to... There are are many, 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 many Taylor Swift fans who will be aware of the likes of a Fiona Apple or a Williams or whatever. But let's let's be honest, the majority of them won't be. I think that's fair to say. Mm. And if this... If Folklore ends up introducing um uh those people to artists of that nature then that's a wonderful wonderful thing but what kind of disappoints me with and again this is me rallying against the music press uh rather than rather than the album itself but what disappoints me is the sheer number of sort of five star reviews that this has got 
when, as I said, it clearly objectively is not as good as many of the other singer songwriter records that have come out this year. It's still a very good record. And certainly for a first attempt at this kind of thing, it's very strong. Like it, it is like there are bits about it. that I'm like, this is really impressive. But for those reasons that I've just outlined, it is not it is not as good as those albums that we've talked about before. I mean, Straight Songs of Sorrow is the longest of those albums that I mentioned, the Phoebe Bridges and Naya Williams and Laura Marlings, yada, yada, yada. That album's 60 minutes and 19 seconds. But if you went back to the Lanigan review that we did, we acknowledged that that album was too long, despite the fact that we loved it. And it's way more dynamic than this. Way more dynamic. Um, And I just think that people are going absolutely crazy over this record because it's a pop star turn serious yeah there's you know? a sort of inverse snobbery about yeah. these reviews that i that i that, that kind of has been irking me a little bit i mean yeah yeah there's a song in it called mirrorball which i really like and i thought well actually this is much more like a kind of pop ballad than it is anything folky um and that's great and i think it's a a, a really good song and, and it kind of reminded me it, it kind of it hit on something for me where i was like oh yeah this is a this is a a big pop star doing this you know mm. it's really them sort of stepping outside their comfort zone and i think one of the things i said to you when we were deciding whether or not we were going to cover this record is that i don't and haven't liked it when pop stars big pop stars get that get too serious and yeah. the reason why i turned around and was a bit like eh, you know about billy eilish is because i thought well it's a bit too serious and katie perry's recent material where like you know you put on fucking teenage dream by katie perry it's brilliant it's just like the most fucking fun you've ever had and then you get like the um the newer stuff she's done which is political and you know and i'm just like this you're not good at this like you're not good at this but taylor swift actually like you rightly say she is good at this she is she good is at actually it. good at this mm. stuff mm. like and it, it just it's proof of like how much better a songwriter and how much better an artist taylor swift is than all of these other pop stars that came up around the same time as her mm. she's way better than them you get a song like seven which is a really simple song her talking about her thoughts of the child like that's me in a tree it's it's really simple and it's and it's sweet and it's and it's beautiful and it's it's really engaging mm. um she is she is just, I, just to interject there she is good at it it just disappoints me that we're getting professional critics saying she's as good as a laura marling for example well, th- this is this is the thing yeah. is i think those critics are being seduced by the fact that taylor swift is capable of doing something which they think is artistically interesting quite yeah. they probably would have dismissed oh taylor swift's just a pop star yeah and how she and now it's coming oh she's working with a guy from the national and bon Iver's on it so oh now now she she's be, amazing now i yeah. can allow her to give her a five-star review exactly. and da, 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 which you know it's not taylor swift's fault and if she was to continue doing this who knows you know in her, her later years i mean there are many many examples of people who scott walker would be the first one that springs to mind of somebody who was you know was a, a, a teen heartthrob mm. who became an incredible solo artist an incredibly unique and diverse and fearless artist and there are more signs in taylor swift being able to do something like that than there are for very very many people that are around at the moment i'd just like Um, to support what you've just said i mean again i know that metacritic isn't the be all and end all but it does give you an indication um 
supporting what you've just said in terms of uh that kind of inverse snobbery of like oh well now she's doing this now she's a true artist yada 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 so folklore's got a score of 89 um it is by far and away the best reviewed uh taylor swift record um lover got 79 reputation 71 1989 76 red 77 speak now 77 fearless 73 so i think this is the the, you know weirdly yet again it's me moaning about the music press at least it's not the metal music press this time that makes a nice change yeah for once Uh, (laughs) i told you they were all twat they all were (laughs) but you know it is it is uh, like i i don't want to have i think i do i i would like to stress that this is a really nice record and, and it is a it's it is really good i might buy it i might buy it like it is a really pleasant record it is flawed there are issues with it it's too long it's too one note and it's too one pace but when it's good like you said it's really fucking good um but yeah this kind of inverse snobbery thing this kind of thing of turning around and going well now she's a true artist now it's just fucking nonsense and it and it really seriously disappoints me that people do this and it's it's the big reason why i really wanted to bring it in just so i could shout at other critics um but (laughs) as always (laughs) but it does it does it is fucking irritating isn't it it's fucking annoying that that critics do this i mean the, the, mm. there is another reason why a lot of these outlets will be giving it five stars and the reason for that is because it'll be a lot more likely that they'll get interviews with taylor swift if they do that's just a fact um but you know but i do actually think a lot of it is i don't want to get death threats from a mental fucking fan <laughs> well right? yeah that could be another thing um but i do actually think um what you said about that kind of uh, that whole thing of uh uh you know suddenly she's a true artist because she's doing this kind of thing it's crap it's really fucking annoying it, it's it's bollocks and those albums that she's putting out before are fucking great mm. she's great at doing and i tell you what the other thing i thought was well i mean I, you know i think it gets around a little bit samey around the kind of last third of it i think it's obviously too long far too long way too you know long. but it's a like we say it's her first go at doing this she's not going to just be able to pick up and be like laura marlin or phoebe bridges straight no. away they could but then could they write an album full of great pop songs immediately, even if they yeah. started working with, I don't know, Pharrell? Probably not. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, 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 I think it's just, you know, that's what she's been doing for a long time. And it's obviously this is a real kind of passion project for her. And like you said, I'm not even sure that it was planned by anyone no, it's just no, something no, that she's done because of lockdown she would have been on tour and it's probably this album wouldn't have even existed so i mean just to kind of add to the last couple of songs i think invisible invisible string is really good it, betty's got this kind of country meets dylan-esque vibe to it and i think it's really good oh i don't um, like people, i don't like betty do you not are people too, too think it's far about for a, me oh is it mm, <laughs> yeah know your place mm. um people seem to think it's about her being a lesbian but it could be written in character you can do that guys not every song has to be written in the first person um, <laughs> yeah. but this is good this is good taylor like well i think just want to end this review by going well done for taking the leap well done for taking a risk well done for trying something new we've always said we admire that in yeah, the in this podcast 100%. and coming from such a significantly massive artist it is really cool yeah now go and write some bangers for this <laughs> one, please no and also uh, also i really i you know if 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 this opens her 
ginormous fan base up if it op- if it opens up one percent of her ginormous fan base up to to the likes of laura marling or the likes of aa williams or the likes of, you know all those artists fiona apple whatever fucking great but and, and this is this is great i'd like i'd like to hear um i'd like to hear another taylor swift album in this mold because i suspect if she did another one in this mold a year down the line two years down the line it would be better because she would have been doing it for longer <laughs> you know um mm. and she might hit the absolute bullseye the next time she she does it yep. i just but let's not pretend that this is one of the best albums of the year because it, yeah. it is heavily flawed but hey people are going to call us old for saying that although ironically uh we're actually closer in age to taylor swift who's been around for sort of 15 years than exactly. her fans who, who tell you're old so i first saw her uh, in 2007 2008 sorry yeah at do the math oh did you mm. yeah oh there you go um she's not actually a new artist by the way and she's not young either um, but she is very good that's folklore by taylor swift uh let's move on to alan johannes hum is the third solo album from the queen of stone age them crooked vultures and chris cornell collaborator released on mike patton's ipecac label so uh must be pretty good right yeah it must yeah. be must be and it is. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, um, you scared me then. <laughs> uh, although it feels like one of the more simple albums to review in a week of kind of madness and surprises. Oh, it's by far one of the easiest records to review this week, I think. But it's a particularly bonkers week, I would say. Um, he, he, You're absolutely right. He's collaborated with those artists that you mentioned, but he's also collaborated with Uncle, Mondo Generator, Arctic Monkeys, Mark Lanigan Band, Masters of Reality, Silverchair, Pussifer, Jimmy Eat World, PJ Harvey, The Gutter Twins. Uh, and you did mention them, Crooked Vultures. Sorry, but I'll throw that in there again. So yeah, yeah, fucking loads of mention them twice. Lo- yeah, loads of artists who we fucking like, basically, mm. Uh, mm. is the point. Uh, I like this. Um, I don't have a lot to say about Renfrey, and we're fucking long show this week. But he's got a great voice. He's I got love that his desert voice. Session, desert sessionsy artist kind of voice um, you said um, this is the sort of you called it you said the kind of acoustic Queens of Stone Age sort of yeah yeah, yeah 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 um, and I think when it is that and that's good it's exceptional sealed for example is a fucking fantastic song mm-hmm. full of dark menace whilst also being really really catchy um, never gets too riffy or particularly aggro this album no that's is, that's probably where the queens of the stone age comparison is a little bit misleading but but certainly there's that josh homme kind of like oh backing vocal thing he does it on um what's the mastodon song where he does it uh on blood mountain call of the birchman no yes. colony of, of colony Sus- of birchman cycle of Sus- or one yeah. of one of those songs um you know and, and Alan Johannes does that a lot to the point where you kind of go, oh, I wonder if that's more of an Alan Johannes vocal thing rather than a Josh Homme vocal thing, considering that they've collaborated together loads and loads and loads. I don't know whether that's the case or not. I'm just pontificating. Little bit of background on this album. During November 2019, Johannes fell ill, stuck in bed for two months with pneumonia, acute bronchitis and a high fever. Fluid flooded Alan's youngs. Breathing treatments and bed rest eventually brought him back to his feet. At the same time, aftershocks from Chris Cornell's death, who he worked with on 1999's brilliant Euphoria Morning record. I think you'll agree that's a brilliant record. Yep. And memories of his wife and often collaborator Natasha Schneider, who passed away from cancer in 2008, weighed heavily on his mind. And then he said, I missed Chris. I miss Natasha. I missed our times together. And I missed all of the other dear people in my life who really affected and inspired me. 
As more time passes, they almost become part of the background and part of my inspiration and dreams as they disappear into the mythical realm of music. I knew it was time to make a record, but I was waiting for it to talk to me and tell me. I was feeling lonely and missing those beautiful moments of the past. Being sick, scared and lying in bed, unable to do anything for two months. I had a lot of time to think about my life, where I wanted to go and what, what I wanted to do with the time that's left. All of that went into this album. And I think you can feel that real sense of longing for haunting, haunting, yeah, haunting missed ones, um, missed one, haunting loved one, uh, oh God, missing loved ones, and it is a haunting record, absolutely. Yeah, that kind of like it, it makes it sound really, really melancholy when put like that. And I don't think it's quite as melancholy as that, but it completely and utterly made sense to me when I when I read um sort of how this record came together really interestingly the album was written and recorded in 12 days oh really so it was it was just kind of expunged out of him um and i think that's exactly its strength it just feels like it feels like sometimes when you get really fucking ill and you have nothing you, you you're so ill that you can't do anything and all you're left with is just your thoughts dark shit comes to your mind and it feels like that's what happened to him and he just needed that like as a as a consequence of being really really very ill um and thinking of all these really tragic things that had happened uh in his life and the people that he'd lost it feels like that he just needed to make this as i say expunge this 10 track 36 minute record um and and i really love that about it i think it's a really uh, it just sort of makes it a really beautiful record as a result um, as a multi-instrumentalist as well, it, it, it gives it a really dynamic range, even though it's sort of quite a quiet record throughout, like there's barely any distortion used or anything like that, but you never know what instrument he's going to pick up and play next. And I think it's really good from that perspective. He's, he's kind of like the desert's very own Johnny Greenwood in that respect, you know, um, and I, yeah, I really wanted to bring it in because um, I didn't have massively high expectations for an Alan Johannes record, to be totally honest, despite all the people that he's worked with before. I hadn't ever heard any of his solo material before, so I didn't really know what to expect. But I was really, uh, this, this was just so much better than I expected it to be. And I think it's a really beautiful, haunting, haunting is a great word for this, beautiful, mm. haunting little record. I really, really like it. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it it clearly comes from that whole desert sessions mm -hmm. um you know the way the riffs are put together the way he vocalizes everything but like like i say it's it's that stripped right back mm -hmm. stripped mm -hmm. right back and bare and and you know it almost feels like it's recorded in the desert because it's so open it's so wide and expansive and probably but, was you know but 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 his his voice is you know his um uh it feels like it's being sung to one person do you know what i mean it's quite yes. a um what's the word i'm looking intimate. for uh intimate yeah it's quite lived an intimate in. vocal he's yeah, got a lived in voice he's got a lived yeah. in quality well, i think intimate's voice. exactly right i mean yeah. it is like it's, it's deliberately pointed at one person yeah. whilst musically it feels like it's spacious and i think you know he's there's some great riffs on it without it being kind of riff riff yeah yeah i yeah. think what i mean is there are guitar parts most of it is clean but yeah. still, like, I really like it when Queens of Stone Age do a kind of clean guitar part. I think it sounds great. Same. And he does that um, pretty much throughout the entirety of this record. More or less. I mean, yeah. if you like the idea of a stripped back Master Reality, I think Master Reality is actually a slightly more uh, bullseye 
a slightly closer yep. comparison because I think Master Reality have um, have done that uh, that sort of quieter stuff more than Queens of Stone Age. Yeah, I think that's main, fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, but this is good, man. Yeah, this mm. is really good. Mm. Uh, you know, it's I don't have anything else to say about it to be perfectly honest because I think we've basically explained exactly what it is. If yeah. that sounds good to you, if that sounds, if you miss kind of, I think the kind of like clockwork. The quieter stuff on like clockwork. Yeah. If, if you like, if you like that, I think you'll like this record. That's not a bad shout. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. it's a really lovely record, and you don't really hear, you don't really hear that desert session stuff, um, but done in this kind of more stripped back manner all that often. You certainly don't hear a whole no. record of it. I mean, this might be the first time no. I've heard an entire album of it, and you know, if it was uh, sixty-three minutes and nineteen seconds, Taylor Swift, um, it would get a bit boring. But it's not because it's thirty-six minutes and nineteen seconds, which is perfect. Um, so yeah, I, I thought this was a really lovely record. I really like it. Mm. Really like. Okay, it. but there you go. That's Hum by Alan Johannes. Uh, it's out now. <laughs> in a week of fucking nuts shit coming out. Uh, that's a really nice album to listen to. Just go, this is nice. Um, <laughs> kind of as is this. And this is a little bit more straightforward as well, really. Frank Turner and Nerf X, West Coast versus Wessex. A collaborative covers album from the skate punk legends and the UK's own folk punk troubadour. Five songs each. Um, so each artist doing five of their favourite songs from the other artists' back catalogue. No effects I've previous with this. I own a vinyl copy of their BYO series split with Rancid, mm. which is really good. Mm. You heard that? I don't think I have, actually. No. Oh, mate, it's wicked. Mm. No effects doing radio. It's good. Oh, nice. Really okay, good. cool. Um, they're interesting curios, these, aren't they? They're, they're cool they to are. hear. Yeah. They are. And we've just done a whole special about covers. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of interesting... Uh, to see who's going to come out on top of these two like for me as people probably already know i'm i've not listened to loads of frank turner bait really uh so i was uh, familiar with a few of the songs that nerve covered not all of them um whereas i am a fan of nerve mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um particularly era of nerve luckily it seems frank turner is a, a familiar is yeah, a, is yeah a yeah, fan yeah, of, the, yeah. of a similar era yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. um so let's go through each of them um nerve start it off uh, you get quite a kind of scar opening to substitute. Um, mm -hmm. That's pretty good. I mean, I don't, I'm not that. I don't think I'm familiar with the original, but uh, I thought oh, that was I love all the right original. opening. Okay. Yeah, I think I think No Effects do a really good job of No FXing up the Frank Turner songs, um, and and the other way around actually. I would say, um, but No Effects have more of a kind of formula than mm. frank does i would say um they really i mean uh worst things happen at sea i think uh so no effect yes yeah, so no like effect. That's, uh, there is no i mean what we're saying about the the covers on the special if you've listened to it you'll know this but keeping an essence of the artist you're covering whilst putting yourself into the cover is kind of the the, the end goal there is none of the frank turner left from that it is just purely a no effect song no 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 and and it, and it is all the better for it i think i mean worst things happen at sea is probably up there with my favorite frank turner songs so it is a pretty like i i do love the fact that they've totally no effects it up are you f that's on his first album so you i familiar i'm with familiar one. with that yeah yeah, yeah. brilliant bitter kind of well certainly not a ballad sort of an anti-ballad isn't it um big yeah. bitter fuck you song um but the way that no effects do it uh it's it's very no effects stuff and i think that's really really cool um 
uh, kind of less enthusiastic about their versions of Thatcher Fuck the Kids uh, and Ballad of Me and My Friends. But their version of Glory Hallelujah is fucking excellent. I think that is brilliant. Right. Well, I, I, I thought Fat Mike did a really good job of making those lyrics from Thatcher Fuck the Kids sort of really clear and not losing any of the very british position i love the, i love the from. way he says bastards on it <laughs> yeah i don't know who does that cockney accent at the end Do you know who that is no i don't not, know who that is not fat mike is it no. um i've no idea who that is but yeah i mean it's all right that um i think the the glory hallelujah cover which is really beatlesy um it sounds like it's got a guest spot from billy joe armstrong I mean, I'm not, sh- I'm, I'm um, not sure it, it, it has. I've looked, I have looked to see and I can't find it anywhere. It's decent enough. I mean, no effects are sort of piss takers, aren't they really? And I sort mm. of felt like that was a bit of a piss take. They always, well, if you've heard the rancid no effects split, their cover of radio where they turn radio into like a kind of really stupid reggae song, um, like a, a stupid Calypso song. Mm. It is pretty funny that how never fell in love till I fell in love with you. <laughs> like it, it's really, really over the top, um, but it kind of works. Uh, they don't go full piss take on Glory Hallelujah, mm. but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I just like the interpretation of the song. I don't know if you know the original. It's from um, England. Keep my bones. Glory Hallelujah. No, I can't. It's the last track on that. That I mean, it, that, it's a really good song. It's a really good live. Glory Hallelujah. Um, but I just really, yeah, I really like No Effects inter- interpretation. I think it's just because it's a little bit different from the original as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, a good solid start. Effort effort yeah. yes to the um scavenger types starts frank off really strong i think i mean we mm-hmm. you know again this sounds like a nerfex song and it sounds like a frank turner song yes at the same time yes yes so i think that's good yes um bob is the one that i thought hmm, is this brave or is it fucking stupid because <laughs> it's such a big no effects song yeah and rancid have already done that song as well on their okay. covers okay but he obviously wanted it to be the country song that he feels that it could be. Yeah. It does lend itself lyrically to it that does. type of music. It does. Um, it's really hard when the original is so great. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, for me, um, uh, like Worst Things... Uh, it, it works for me. What the No Effects' cover of Worst Things Happen at Sea doesn't isn't better than the original, in my opinion, just as um, Frank's cover of Bob isn't better than the original either but because it's a different because it puts a different spin on it i like the fact that it exists um i i i'm i'm into it i think it's good um you know but like if if you're kind of going well is this an improvement on the original or not then i think that's a difficult sort of road to go down because it's hardly ever going to be is it well um, i'm about to go down that road renfrey quite well, hard actually i think um, i think uh, if you're doing that with eat the meek then i'm about to go down with that that road with you <laughs> well i really like the original of eat the meek mm-hmm. uh it sounds like a far more serious song when frank turner does it than it really was or is yep. previously yep. um I think the version of Perfect Government is far better than the quite messy original version. Uh-huh. You know, um, even though that's from Punk and Drublick and that's, you know, the fucking hallowed NerfX album. Mm-hmm. Um, and Falling in Love is completely different as well. And I think you'd, you'd struggle to argue that that version isn't much better than the original NerfX version as well. I, uh, I Eat the Meek and Falling in Love, I think, are both fucking killer 
on this and mm. I love the alternative versions. And certainly if someone turned around to me and said, I prefer the Frank Turner version of Eat the Meek or Falling in Love to the Nerfex version, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. And I think I'd probably yep. agree with them as well. Um, probably yeah. the least punk thing you can say because Frank Turner's not a punk, blah, blah, blah. Bollocks. Mm. Don't um, worry. Neither, uh, neither are Nerfex. Oh, they are now. They weren't. But yeah, I mean, this is, this is conclusive proof that, you know, <laughs> Frank Turner does know what he's doing. He does, he does have a clear, um, like, I, I think they've, they've kind of, you know purposefully in a sort of tongue-in-cheek manner put this out as a kind of box the the cover of this uh ep is like a boxing match thing so it's like mm. no effects versus frank turner if we were doing it in that sense if we were doing like which who comes out better it's frank turner frank for the, yeah definitely by if frank turner like that they they're both they're both very good they're both cool but frank turner comes out on top it's a fucking fact end of mm. So, yeah, you know, I, um, I agree. I think it's interesting that he's picked all of his songs from a five year period in Nerfex's career as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that says a lot. I mean, again, I'm not criticizing it because that's what I'd have done as well. Yeah. But two from Punk and Drublick, two from So Long and so Thanks for the Shoes, which might be my favorite Nerfex album, mm-hmm. and one from White Trash, Two Heaves and a Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the golden era of nothing if you add in Pump Up the Valley and uh, yes, I like Pump the next Up the album. Yep. Uh, I think that is the golden nerfx era 100 percent. i think be, most people would honest. agree with that yeah most people would I agree think with that. so yeah first ditch uh, effort was was good wasn't it that was a surprisingly good latter day yeah. nerfx record yeah it was yeah it was but i've heard of a little there, there's bits and bobs yeah oh there's bits and bobs bits and bobs been... see what you did there lovely nah um <laughs> west coast versus wessex uh frank turner nerfx is out now it's pretty good you know like if you like both those bands and it's good fun. I think you'll have a, you'll have a nice time. Yeah. Uh, let's end our review section with Senecarne. 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 Senecarne is the new album. That's from more, Fall that's of Messiah. More, that's more Italian than French, isn't it? We've fucked yeah, up. Yeah, but Senecarne looks like a... Senecarne is not a French word. That's an Italian word, surely. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, it's back. Oh, no. Senecarne written backwards is enracine oh god which translates as rooted in french and sene and carne translates as old flesh in latin there you go whoa i'll do it in latin anyway fallen messiah is the name of the band it's the fourth album from the french post-metal man available <laughs> on holy raw so you know what we're gonna say about it we <laughs> like most stuff that holy war put out um i think i'm really glad you i'm really glad you called them post-metal um because uh the uh, press release calls them post hardcore and i was like are they i think they're yeah. far more post metal i think i think post metal is a quite a good descriptor for this band but also what i would say is and this is maybe why somebody said post hardcore they are far more instantaneous than a lot of bands who get tied to that genre yes. this isn't a stupidly long record i say stupidly long you could probably listen to neurosis for long enough but this is not a kind of insanely long record do you know what i mean it's, it's not 37 like, minutes and 24 seconds yeah and looking at it now the track listing only two tracks uh top of the five minute mark yeah yeah so considering we're talking about post metal um it's not like huge 12 minute long you know we're not we're not going into that sort of world it's a fairly short album i've got no problem with that I think this is a good record, actually. Yeah. I think it's good at doing a sort of condensed version of something which I really, really love. I mean, in terms of it being 
comparable to the very very best of this genre i do think this is some way away from cult of luna or neurosis oh yeah or even oh, or, yeah. E- or, e- or even conjurer Ooh. like i would say um i don't it is mm. good Conjurer. i mean are conjurer mm. post metal bands no i don't really know but i think a closer comparison certainly on the holy raw roster although conjurer aren't on holy war anymore but um on the i mean this isn't a million miles away if you had a predominantly instrumental svalbard i don't think this would be a million miles away from that um yeah. i say predominantly instrumental because oh what is it three songs this that is have predominantly instrumental yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but but th- there are there are a few songs with vocals um at least two maybe for three i can't remember now um but they're kind of vocals which like i if you i've seen them live a couple of times and um the drummer is doing the vocals and he just absolutely i have actually seen the drummer do the vocals uh, I saw them in a pub in East London supporting um, Polymath and Lost in the Riots like last year, I think. And he wasn't even screaming into a mic. He was just screaming. He was just screaming. So you could kind of yeah, hear... I, I like that. Yes, exactly. You could kind of hear the vocals, but they're not prominent in the mix. And they've kind of... I mean, I'm sure he was screaming into... Well, I don't know how they did it. Maybe he was screaming into a microphone, but maybe rather than the microphone being directly in front of him, it sounds as if the microphone was maybe a metre away from him or two metres away from him. But it gives it a kind of really well, interesting... Symbol mics? Pick him, or possibly, yeah, mics? yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, but it, it, it gives it a kind of distant, uh, shouty quality. And, and it's just, it's nice. I think it's quite nice having that come in from time to time, but just add an yeah. extra kind of layer there's, to it. There's a song called Vertes Vignes. Yeah, great uh, song. Which is great. And when there's, then the clean the clean guitars come in and those vocals are way back in the mix, like somebody being kind of dragged away yeah. in this sort of portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, ooh, lovely mm-hmm. stuff. It's mm-hmm. really good. I yeah. mean, for me, the absolute high point of the record is the last song is called The Loneliest Whale in the World and it's really great. It's when those blast beat those blast beats come in and it just fucking slams. It's great. It's six minutes. It's probably the time where they give themselves the longest yeah. time to build something up. And I think it's definitely the best song on the record. Um maybe they could be a little bit longer. Who knows? I think if anything they could be. I do like the fact that we have a band here. I mean Fall of Messiah have always done that quite concise. Let's do the expansive post metal thing but in quite a concise manner. I first became aware of them with their previous release Empty Colors uh from oh god 2016 I want to say uh which is very very good as well. I do think this is a slight improvement on that record but not massively. So um but still very very good. Contraforts has a quite Black Peaks-esque vibe to it I think in the instrumentation mm. and the choice of where they go with it. Um I also think it's worth mentioning uh, Envy whose album The Fallen Crimson we reviewed earlier this year. Uh, yeah. I think that's a pretty good shout in terms of what this band, tend, the, like kind of the through line of what this band do. Um, Envy have more more dynamics to them than Fall of Messiah, but certainly there's a kind of Envy-like quality. And we were very positive about that Envy record. Um, yeah, great record. I wanted to bring this in because Fall of Messiah are great and they're a very, very, very good band. And I'm very pleased... Um, that uh oh i was gonna say holy war picked them up holy war did their last release as well but the, but you know this is absolutely you know another quality release from holy war really isn't it um but uh yeah if you like that kind of post-metal thing and you like the idea of that post-metal thing being sort of truncated and sort of shortened slightly uh, then this is mm. a good thing to go for i do agree with you though i, th- I think um it could have been a bit longer if anything yeah i think 
the you know that song where um the, what's it what did i say it was called the loneliest the whale song. in the world mm. um definitely the best song and i think because it um it just in it's just slightly more involving that's it really i mean mm. it's just a very simple thing it's uh it just they seemed like they had an idea and they were willing to show uh, you know a little bit more restraint and i think that's quite necessary in this type of music to get it really mm-hmm. really good they don't have to go away and go oh let's make some sure every song's nine 12 minutes long now they don't have to do no, that no, but no, i think no, no. you know and if they made an album and it was seven songs and they were all between five and six minutes that could be a you know and obviously they got to write good songs as well yeah that didn't occur to me but i think that's a really good shout actually I'd love to hear them do actually like a six track EP, uh, not even an EP, a six track album, but where every song is like six minutes long kind of thing. That would be wicked. I think that would be quite cool, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me too. There you go. Seni Carney by Fall of Messiah is out. Nye. No. No. <laughs> I did it in a really bad Northern Irish accent. Because <laughs> we're coming to Broken Records and I just think of Eorgan straight away. Uh, <laughs> he's actually from our, He's actually from Southern Ireland. Um, anyway, listen. Mick Jagger, Primitive Cool, the second solo album from the Rolling Stones frontman released on the 14th of September 1987 is this week's Broken Record. Um, it was the follow-up to Jagger's 1985 debut solo album She's the Boss, which was fairly successful. <laughs> It was and pretty successful. I think it was pretty successful, yeah. Pretty like successful, yeah. yeah. And we must say also, hot on the heels of, with his duet with David Bowie doing Dance in the Streets, which has now become a soundless meme, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Renfrey, we have, I believe, never spoken extensively about the Rolling Stones. No. Ever. No, I don't think we have. Two years. No. Which is mad, isn't it? What what mad thing? Kinda. It is kinda mad, although it sort of makes sense for my personal taste because I don't really listen to the Rolling Stones all that much, I have to confess. I I think people will probably hate both of us for saying this, but I'm not really a big Rolling Stones fan at all. For me, if I'm going to go down that road and listen to one of these bands, I think, you know, if you're looking for something more experimental and musically interesting the who are there mm. and if you just want like bluesy rock songs acdc rock harder without wanting to sound like jack black mm. um <laughs> i'd go to led zeppelin myself but yeah, yeah 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 and and you know i mean i'm not an idiot i know there are some fucking like gimme shelter is an absolute fucking by staggeringly far and away their best song yeah yeah yeah, yeah and you know i if start me up comes on or mm-hmm. you know brown sugar or honky tonk woman mm-hmm. i'm not a fucking maniac i yeah, know yeah, those yeah, are yeah, great yeah. songs but i'm just not particular. i've only i own exile on main street and let it bleed and a couple of other stones and i've just never ever listened to them yeah i my, don't think they don't not that bothered by them at all my my mum was a massive stones fan um and uh uh you know so i'm sort of familiar with bits and pieces and things like that but i I always found that i enjoy i am not the sort of person to pick up a greatest hits or 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 a best of compilation most of the time most of the time i'm the sort of person who wants to dive in far more than that and i want to discover the album tracks and things like that having said that when it comes to the rolling stones i generally find that i enjoy them the most at the 40 licks is for my money all you need yeah. uh, like it's like a, oasis it's, like the foo fighters yeah i just think 
yeah, get it's, out of greatest hits. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, four elix is a, a double CD kind of like you know each CD is absolutely full, but for like the the best forty Rolling Stone songs, and for my money, you know, obviously Rolling Stone fans will go mad at this, but for my money, that's all you need really from the Rolling Stones. Um, beyond that. I mean, you'll have a fucking great time with 40 licks, but yeah, I don't think you need much more than that personally. Although I would say that about ACDC as well. So there you go. And Ooh. you you probably wouldn't, but there you go. No. Um, so the Rolling Stones had released Dirty Work in 1986. And rather than tour the album, Mick Jagger decided to go and make this album instead, leading to a lot of internal frictions and some less than positive noises that came from the mouth of iconic ever-living guitarist Keith Richards. Um, <laughs> Zombie Kowtow guitarist. Kowtow and, <laughs> yeah, uh, and Shoot Your Mouth Off from this album were both said to be about Keith Richards' yeah. um, comments to the press. Um, I think they, cl- in, they clearly are, aren't they? They clearly, they clearly yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Dave Stewart from the Arrhythmics was brought in to produce the album. Jeff Beck came in to play guitar. Stewart has writing credits on three of the songs alongside Jagger. The rest are just written by mick jagger um now mick jagger's solo career at this point it could have been a time where he went on and became a a big solo artist you know like we said his solo album before that had done quite well for him there's a sliding door scenario where where he became a massive solo artist possibly obviously we're not living in that reality but it could have happened it could have happened because This album only reached number 26 on the UK singles chart Mm. and number 41 on the US chart. Um, The Rolling Stone, though, it's it's funny this one because, I mean, let's just put it out there now. We had a little conversation before we started and we were like, this is one of the toughest broken records to have done. Um, Mm. The Rolling Stone review of it was actually pretty positive. It Mm. says, whether this feat is worth the loss of the Rolling Stone, this is a quote from it, one of the kind of the more downer parts of it whether this feat is worth the loss of the rolling stones if that's the way things should tumble is a hard question and probably no one will have to examine that possibility more closely than jagger himself if primitive cool turns out to be what it feels like mick jagger's long overdue rejuvenation then whatever this cocky icon makes of his future should concern anybody who ever respected his past the rolling stone review is fucking long and it's also Mm. for the most part pretty positive it's very interesting um, i thought i thought it was a really interesting review yeah. i didn't i didn't strictly agree with all of it but it was a very well written interesting review uh obviously it's too long for us to repeat here but if you're interested in it i would definitely give it a google because it is quite interesting yeah absolutely um our old mate robert Criscu also gave it a b minus there he is yeah he you, you can read gro- this one and you can read this one in full can't you yeah but i don't want to <laughs> um he grooves he grooves his overpaid pickup band. He, ch- he tells Jeff Beck what to do. He writes love songs for every occasion. He, didn't, he doesn't even oversing much. I actually sat there and read a bunch of Robert Criscu's uh, reviews on that particular page from that week. And so did I. I just, just, I just do not understand. <laughs> I don't, He's a fucking dickhead. He can't he? write sentences. He can't write sentences that make sense. Nothing that he writes makes sense. He's just in a world of his own. He he can't he can't put together a a sentence with any flow that makes any cohesive sense. I don't get it. He's just awful. Um I don't even like 
I, the entire review I kind of makes out that he I think he doesn't like it, but I can't tell what he thinks about this record until I see his score. Oh, and yeah. I think that's a major issue with a with with the critic. <laughs> I think that's a major yeah. issue with the critic. So why why he's been why he is seen as this like phenomenal critic, I will never understand. But there we go. Yeah. Anyway, Absolutely. this is we're not talking about Robert Christie. No, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we, will, we'll, Sorry, we will be next week. I'm just, sure we will be next week. Fuck to me. Um, so th- there's not really any slamming. Rev- there are a few um, things that I found on the internet going, oh, this is when Mick Jagger fucked up his solo career. There are a few going, it's so bad, it's good. I found one that was like, this is an album that's so bad, I actually really love it. Um, there was something I found which just really, really slagged it off, but it's only from a couple of years ago. So it's all done in kind of, um, you know, in retrospect um keith richards was actually asked about this record in 2015 by the nme and he said what did he have two albums she's the boss and primitive cool they had something to do with ego he really had nothing to say that's what he said of uh of mick jagger's solo career um and it's kind of hard to disagree with that yeah i mean usually i feel like even if i like the album and there have been a few records from this list that i've liked i always feel like i get to the very very bottom there's that fucking ice cream man again. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just got, popping out like, for a 99 U- uber eats the fucking ice cream man <laughs> anyway um i always feel like it's the I, new bonjour I get... this ice cream van man. <laughs> yeah, it it's actually the ice cream um, van from uh, the coal chamber record oh good yeah he's still hanging <laughs> still makes that guy then, yeah? yes um uh, that's good <laughs> I always feel like I know what the what the purpose of the record being in Broken Records was. Yes, you know? yes, 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 yes. It's been terribly reviewed. Mm. It's been this, it's been that. Um, with this one, it is a little bit more difficult to sort of discern what the problem with it is. And I guess the only thing that I can think of is that, as I said at the start, um, Keith Richards referred to this as World War Three in the Rolling Stones career. Um, Tad, sort of period. Tad OTT. A little bit OTT. <laughs> um, I mean, after the sort of less than moderate success of this record, a year later, Talk Is Cheap came out by Keith Richards, which was received Very better, successful. Mm. which was placed higher in all of the charts mm. um, and went gold in the US as well. Yeah. Um, so I think Keith Richards sort of thought, oh, well, we won, you know, but there was, a, or, or he won. Um, and there was a, you know, there was a lot of chat about the fact that there would be no Rolling Stones. I mean, Jagger and Richards were properly. Uh, there was a lot of animosity between the two of them around this period, and it wasn't until they got inducted into the American Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, in 1989 that they actually went to work on Steel Wheels, which was what would be the next what Rolling Stones back, album, yeah. Yeah. and was sort of, you know, it was a return to form and. Yeah. just that kind of stuff just to support what you've just said there um i found an article i found an article on this record from ultimate classic rock um and this paragraph um states perhaps it was a bridge too far for his oldest fans or maybe the creeping realization that the rolling stones future was in the balance had finally been made clear primitive call stalled outside the top 40 in the u.s a far cry from the platinum sales of jagger's debut she's the boss a subsequent tour never got past japan and australia which for a, yeah for an artist of jagger's 
stature. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it, to think that yeah. you only do Japan and Australia for an album mm. tour. Um, yes, it feels like maybe because it feels like maybe the media pitched this as Richards versus Jagger. Um, and maybe the reason, I mean, I don't mean to point fingers or anything like this, but, you know, little peek behind the curtain, predominantly you have put together the broken records list. So I suppose I have to ask you, do you remember why you ended up putting it on there in the first place? I think I just went through, I mean, if people remember, we put a tweet out going, we're looking for broken records mm. to suggest some. We took a, a few people's suggestions. Uh -huh. We listened to a few things that people took, but mostly I went and I looked at, I just typed in the worst albums ever made. Okay. On Google, Googled it and found list after list after list after list. And if anything popped up more than once, then it's probably And it was worth. part of this. And I was like, okay. And That's I fair. think there were, a, there were a couple that this album popped up in. That's fair. And I think it is the idea that how dare you, like that it was such a flop. I mean, let's get into the album itself. I mean, mm -hmm. to start, the first single is called Let's Work. Mm -hmm. And um, I watched the video for it. Did you watch the video oh, for no, it? No, I through? didn't. No, no. My God. He makes Paul McCartney look in a Frog Song video look fucking cool as fuck in this video. It is, it's a, I mean, it's a very, very stupid song for a start. Um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a stupid song. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically Mick Jagger running down, like superimposed on a motorway while kids and doctors and a bloke <laughs> holding i'm not even making this up holding a pig carcass and a meat cleaver all dance behind him then some naked people come along and then some sort of superimposed fruits fall in the road and he eats them while he's dancing as well i am watching um, it now and good golly gosh it looks a bit sesame street it's really funny it's really really funny and i think as a sort of um oh my god he's shaking his ass like a dad at a wedding it's really really funny you should definitely watch the let's work video and it's such a bad song as well it's, so, it's such a like let's like say dad at the wedding it's not, yeah. is, is perfect it's, it's such a like it's such a naff song and it kind of sums up everything about you know this record really so much of this album is just dated and naff and naff, crap. I think naff is the key word. You, you mentioned this on the phone earlier. I think naff is mm. the key word with this with this record. And, you know, naff's not good. But is naff broken? Well, it's not worth getting in a tiz about, is no, it? No, exactly. Yes, they're quite. Absolutely. Absolutely. You it's know, not worth getting it's, in a tiz about. It's purely, this is in here purely for the sort of context surrounding it. I'm so sorry. I, I am playing this video on mute in the background and it's become very village people. <laughs> My I mean, God. You must watch fucking, this video. It's incredible. It's fucking, it's fucking hilarious. That <laughs> video is. So, have you got to the, have you got to the bloke swinging a pig, like swinging a dead pig in not a meat yet, lever running no. down the street? unbelievable oh and there's God. like people in like office suits sort of dancing there's one bloke dancing behind him in his like office suit it's about you know it's about working uh yeah <laughs> it's about working <laughs> which is something that mick jack has debatably never done in his life um <laughs> i say that i mean i'm sure i'm yeah it's, he's worked very hard being the rolling stones but obviously not in a sort of not in a nine to five yeah. job capacity you know you know i mean you know the, the first half of this record is it's pretty, you know, it, it's pretty funny. Just, it sounds so dated. It's so naff. And I was like, oh, it's just going to be like a really naff record. It's mm. not, I don't feel any kind of, 
you know, it's not it's not fun to be around in the same way as like Dee Dee Ramone was fun to be around. No, but no, it's no. certainly not a horrible place to be no. like Uncle Cracker. And it's not even really excruciatingly embarrassing enough to no. be like Richard Ashcroft or something no. like that. Do you know no. what I mean? No. It's just kind of Ooh, this sorry, is, this na- is naked naff. people. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to stop this video now. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> I am listening. I do apologize. I was just trying to go and go and oh. watch this video. It's really fucking God. funny. Actually, um, no, then, I, I then agree. This... I agree. And also just to add to what you were saying there, um, we uh, you, through you predominantly and through doing this podcast, you've made me um, certainly when we started doing this podcast, I was like, I bloody hate the sound of the 80s. I don't like the production. It's all rubbish, blah, blah, blah. Two years later, I've put on disintegration every fucking week practically you know i i have i have mellowed when it comes to the sound of the 80s a bit there's still a lot of it that i don't like but i have mellowed somewhat and you have opened my eyes a little bit regarding this stuff i feel like listening to the first half of this record certainly undid most of the work that you've done because <laughs> <laughs> fuck me it's 80s as fuck and it is all, oh, all the 80s shit that i don't like at all yeah to be honest it sounds yeah, yeah. weak it sounds wimpy it, ugh, electronic like bass yeah, yeah yeah synthesizers which at the time would have been worth a thousand dollars but but these days synthesizer technology has got has um progressed so much that you know if you picked up a synthesizer now it would it sounds like it'd be worth fifty dollars or something like that you know what i mean yeah it's not good it's legitimately not great not not very good and i mean you know the first half of this is a lot of that but then actually Side two, so side one is the first five tracks. The side two, which starts with Kowtow, Kowtow, Kowtow. and then Shoot Your Mouth Off, which are both kind of aimed at Mr. Richards. Keith Richards. Mm. And they are perfectly, I think, they are perfectly um usable Rolling Stones songs. I think they're decent. I, I like I, I liked hearing him with a little bit of um well, it's kind of like the first time where he had a bit of anger on this record, a little bit of pep. Uh, because he was actually because he actually was singing about something and i wonder if that's the problem uh, as keith richards kind of correctly pointed out maybe he didn't really have anything to say and it does sound mm. like for most of this record he doesn't have all that much to say really um mm. and i do think that's a problem especially when it's given that kind of naff 80s crap synth backing but yes 100% i agree with you the second half of this record it's got some good stuff on it and kowtow and uh shoot off your mouth are both really good examples of two of those songs i think those are perfectly fine songs yeah and i mean i think i mean if you particularly if you go back i mean we spoke about um dirty work which is i mean i can't remember i think my ex-girlfriend's mum put that on in the car once and i was just like well this is absolutely awful this is awful. And there's worse stuff on that than there is on... Nothing on the second half of this record is worse than the worst stuff on that record. I know that's hardly thought of as like, mm. oh, a great Rolling Stones album or anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's fucking dreadful. You know, some dreadful shit on that. And there's some fucking bad shit on the first one, on the first half of this, just because it sounds so dated and mm. silly. Mm. But yeah, you know, like... I mean, we were speaking about Party Doll and... Mm. that's that's good i quite and like we party doll. Of, and we were speaking you know you said it's got a kind of um pokes uh pokes vibe to it and war baby is probably a little bit long but it's in a sort of wild horses vein yeah and it's and it's not awful 
No, I thought War Baby was all right. Yeah, yeah. I've heard far more. I mean, I've heard far more um, po-faced rubbish, kind of like War is bad stuff um recently we did angels and airways didn't we which obviously yes, by, the, by the sounds of it a lot of our fans disagree with that <laughs> but you know uh you not <laughs> but <laughs> um but yeah you know yeah, i thought it was, i thought it was fine yeah definitely a bit too long but you know yeah it's all right it's, it's all right i mean it's a proper like five out of ten in this record I, I think five out of ten is bang on which mm. isn't broken it's, it's not it's broken it's not. It's just the context that surrounds it. Mm. Um, I don't really have much more to say about this record. No. I just I think it's kind of it's it definitely for me goes within the uh, there's a little bit where there's Dirty Vegas, the enemy and Bush, and they're all kind of just a bit boring as well. I think all of them are actually a bit more boring than this. So I would definitely put nothing that is below that uh above this um is it better than dd king is it better than william shatner i got a I lot mean, I think... more i got a lot more enjoyment out of dd king yeah me too absolutely and probably got a lot more enjoyment out of william shatner to be fair i mean my vote for it really would go just above bush and just <laughs> below william shatner uh, yeah um, I would be happy with that. I'm just going to throw in just for argument's sake. I wonder, I think, I wonder, I think it's slightly worse than Black and White Rainbows. Ever so slightly. There's very little in it. Uh, but I can't justify why. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've just watched the video. It's because you've just watched the video for Let's Work. That's probably what Maybe for that. Yeah, there's nothing more embarrassing on it, on Black and White Rainbows than there is... <laughs> than the, that fucking mad video there you go um so i mean i mean i'd be quite happy for it to go between bush and william shatner but i i'm, I'm not too fussed but but no, i wonder yeah you're right the enemy There's... and bush i think yeah that would make okay. it what 13th on the list i think well let's go down so from bottom to top we've got self-portrait by bob dylan lou reed and metallica's lulu metal machine music by lou reed self-titled liz fair album mtv 2.0 unplugged by lauren hill Standing in the Spotlight by D.D. King, William Shatner's A Transformed Man, Black and White Rainbows by Bush, Mick Jagger's Primitive Cool, The Enemy's Streets in the Sky, Dirty Vegas' is One, Viva Brothers' Famous First Words, Theory of a Dead Man, The Truth Is, Louis XIV's Slick Dogs and Ponies, Queen and Paul Rogers' The Cosmos Rocks, United Nations of Sound by Richard Ashcroft. Ashcroft? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Richard Ashcroft, did you say? E- e- Ian Ash. Ian Ashcrog, I call him. <laughs> Richard Ashcrog. It's because I was about to do Eogan. Richard Ashcrog. Uh, Eogan Quigg, self-titled. Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics, Volume 2. Towers of London's Blood, Sweat and Towers. The self-titled Methods of Mayhem album. And the worst album ever thus far, Uncle Cracker's Double Wide. But I am going to reach... I put the thing slightly too far away this week. Silly me. Um <laughs> <laughs> But I am going to reach in Stretch and, uh, and put in uh, a new, um, what are they called? A new album. <laughs> yeah. For the list. What the fuck's going on here? Music journalist extraordinaire Stephen Hill there. What are these things Sorry. called? Albums. I'm just we have been recording around. for a long time today. I'm just, I'm just rummaging. I'm just doing a bit of rummaging. I've got one. I've got one. Cool. It is. Come on, something good. Ooh. Back to new metal, Renfrey. Limp Biscuit. 
results may vary. Oh, here we go. Okay, lovely stuff. Which I know is rubbish. Um, I've never heard I it. I own a copy of it. Oh, Do you? Treat. There's, a few, there's a few Limp Bizkit albums that you don't own or have never heard, isn't there? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, we have discussed this with Chocolate Starfish, although I pretty much have. Um, um, <laughs> every, everything, everything after Chocolate Starfish, I think. Okay. Yeah, because I've heard Three Dollar Bills, Your Significant Other, and, and I, I would say I've heard Chocolate Starfish. <laughs> Yeah, you pretty much have. All right, fine. Well, there you go. Limp Biscuit are going to be in the house. Now this red cap gets a whack from these critics. Um, <laughs> next week. <laughs> Ow. That was that was whiter than Fred Durst. That was Thank amazing. Um, next week, we're going to be reviewing albums from Alanis Morissette, Orbit Culture. Yes, we are. Um, that's good, that Orbit Culture album. I'm sticking it in, Renfrey. It's happening. And hopefully Fall of Troy. Don't know if we're going to get that, but they've got a new album out. We will be back next week. I was going to say there's plenty of specials, but there's not really because we've done them all this week, haven't we? Well, no, you... nothing new, nothing new for you. Get, a week <laughs> to ca- get, get to catch up. Get a week to catch yeah, up. Yeah, I was going to say we have. And then we'll bombard you again. We've put out something insane, like twelve hours worth of podcasts this week. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of you will be thankful to catch up on stuff. You yeah. know, so it's yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. All right. Um, but go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you want to sign up for more because they're coming. You better be ready. Oh, God. Right. See you next week. Fuck off. <laughs>